0: Welcome to The Road Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about running. And South Africa,
1: it brings heart, people together, breaks numbers. down barriers. Yeah,
0: right. My passion winning, to be the best. Being the best is something we strive Self-care for. for. Passion, role as high Great. Great. Passion. passion. Fiction. Fiction. Gold. Ultimate gold. Glory. relentless training. Pain. Pain. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another banging episode of the Rose Show. As we said to you, they're coming out thick and fast, and we weren't lying. And as always, it's myself Lawrence Britton, and, and with me, Jake Green, as always. And uh, another same—you can't say the same thing as me. I said, as always, as always. Well, it's Jake Green,
1: you know, <laughs> at his best on the Rose Show again, returning with you know another another episode of uh, of Tokyo 2021 and today we are talking to Cameron Girdleston from Australia, double Olympic medalist and coming away with a, a well-deserved bronze medal at the at the Tokyo Olympics in the men's squad. And I'm really excited about this interview because, you know, Karen's got, Cameron's got a fascinating story, a fascinating journey, and we have someone from the men's quad, which uh, we have uh, admittedly, self-admittedly, we haven't given enough love on the show. So it's awesome to get someone from the men's quad. And I think, you know, the Australian men's squad has definitely got a big legacy in the sport, and it's a it's a boat that uh, Australian rowing has definitely been um, pushing in the last couple of Olympiads. So to get Cameron, who's been re, re, super uh, involved in that uh, in that boat class, and that um, and you know in that boat in the country, it's been really cool to to listen to that journey and and you know listen to something uh, a fresh perspective on a, a, a awesome boat class.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not for lack of trying, Jake. You know, we've tried hard, you know, Carl Schultz, that guy's keep constantly giving us the the cold shoulder. He doesn't want to come on the show. So um we we really excited to to bring an episode of the the quad out. And you know, Cameron was absolute legend and I couldn't believe his story was you know, as you you dig into the research before the the episode you realize like oh my well, there's something Something here that that we're gonna to have to dig into, and then when you you hear the story firsthand, it's just outrageous. So yeah, he uh, was pretty good at junior level. Uh, he rode as a lightweight at a under twenty three the level. Yeah. Then he took a seven year break. He started teaching, coaching. Uh, kind of thought rowing was done for him. Then the bug was was still it was still there, still biting him, and uh, he got back in the boat. And I think just that by itself is a is a big. You know, a move of courage. You know, to 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 say that you you're not done with something and to to go back in, and then from that decision to make it to the Rio Games, come away with a silver medal, continue struggle through COVID, having a child, and you know making a family together, into Tokyo and come away with another medal. That's outrageous. I mean, that just shows the the quality of the the team and the the athlete that uh, Cameron is. So really really epic and i'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it a little bit different or maybe not as um we didn't quite get into like the technical aspects of rowing but it's more into the maybe emotional side of things and you know how to um i don't know how to, to break it down and how to build that belief in yourself to to chase your dreams i think that was it
1: 100 percent and a bit of housekeeping before we get going the patreons absolute legends you guys are you know really helping us out and um yeah i mean the the conversations we've been having around the the chats we've been having you know on Michael break um and whatnot have been awesome, and uh, it's always great getting the feedback from them absolutely legends for the sport if you're interested in patreon, you can go over to you know our page and have a look there and uh, besides that, huge shout out to all our listeners out there. You can go follow us on social media um get in contact get in contact with us on uh, email or phone whatever and yeah of course, as Lawrence always says um go share the show word of mouth please tell on someone about it. it's awesome you know it gets a show
0: out there grows it out there definitely that helps us the most guys uh, if you if you not uh that keen to jump into to the patreon just tell someone about the show share it help us grow and keep us alive um but i think that's enough it's enough enjoy the show
1: Welcome ladies and gentlemen to another awesome episode um, of the Row Show and today we have an awesome guest from the show recently won the bronze medal in the men's squad at uh, Tokyo 2020, um, Cameron Girdleston. Welcome welcome to the show and thanks for, for having us.
2: Oh, thanks very much for having me guys. It's an honor to uh, be on the show and uh, to give you a bit of an insight into my journey and talk all things rowing.
1: Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna pick it up at the you know at the beginning of your career. Um there's a couple of interesting things, you know, when I was when we were doing our research. Um, you know, you started off you did a juniors under twenty threes and there was a relatively big gap between um, you know, when you finished your under twenty threes when you when you joined back on the the senior circuits in twenty fourteen. And we were we were kind of interested into um primarily what was going on in there in their gap. You know, it seems that you you took some time off rowing, and then uh, from what it looks like, is that after London there was a bit of a uh you know the um the bug bit again, and then you you jump back on track. So yeah, because
0: yeah. you because you rode uh, sweep. So 2005 and 2007, you're in the the four and the lighty men's four uh, for juniors and under 23s, yeah. and then the next appearance is only 2014 in uh, in the men, and then you become a, a quad specialist. So. just talk us through the the beginnings and um yeah and how come there's this big gap and and what brought you back into into rowing after under 23s
2: yeah like that's uh it's probably like the the best probably talking point of uh for everything i reckon uh this sort of the 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 gap um yeah so i went to a a rowing school in sydney um i was I was a cricketer before i was a rower at school and then uh got out sort of too many times in cricket and got frustrated with the sport of uh, watching from the sidelines and watching everyone else score runs. So I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go and do this rowing stuff and see what these guys do going backwards on the water. And a few of my mates were already rowing at the time. And I was like, oh, well, I'll go and join in. And um, fell in love with the sport straight away, like just that, um, as we all know, like that the competitive side of it, being there with your mates, like um, working together. And, and like this was a whole new skill for me back when I was sort of 13, 14 when a few of us probably all sort of, in schools were starting to row or at clubs, like starting to pick up the sport. Um, but very quickly, just quite really just enjoyed the, the, um, I guess, sort of the, the just being with a, a team, being with your mates and just being on the water and that common goal and um, sort of working towards. I started off in the sixth boat. We had sort of, I think, seven, seven boats in my year and I was in the sort of the sixth one. But by quickly, I was sort of figuring out that, I kind of wanted to be sort of closer to the top, and like if I worked hard and I sort of did my, I worked on my own fitness and got a bit stronger and a bit fitter. When I was sort of young, I could move up the ranks, and I ended up in that you know in second boat. And we always had this desire, like we the big boys were always in the first boat, and I was never one of the the big kids at school. Like so, I just wanted to, uh, always wanted to beat them. So that probably where that uh, that grit and determination and sort of that. uh, what Rowan gives you that that competitive edge, so to speak, where you're um you're not satisfied until you you're in front and uh, can hold that hold that position and, and always P B on the ergo. So I guess the love for the sport grew very quickly. Um and then sort of had an opportunity when I was in year eleven at school, so um I was sort of seventeen and had my first uh representation and the experience and honor of representing Australia at junior champs and uh, it was actually a few senior boys. Um a couple of year twelves at that time were Oh, do you want to come and do um, Aussie juniors and trial and the way that the sort of back then this, the, the the junior system worked for Australia that you'd sort of have a crew from your home location together and you'd sort of form a four or a quad or and then you go to trials and you'd you'd race other states who had organised a, a four and you'd sort of the top top four would then go to speed order and race the race the clock and see see what the prognostic was and if your prognostic got the minimum time and they sort of look like it was a boat to send overseas and you get, you got the nod. So that was kind of the system and still sort of is to a certain extent, but um, in juniors, but slightly different. But so I went to Aussie juniors in, in Brandenburg um, quite a, for those that rode that for, that was my first international course, very sort of cross breeze coming in from the bow side. And you had that like 200 lead bit of wind week sort of, where everyone went scrambled for however many places they could pick up and then mm. the wind picked up again. And so we rode B final Um. In that year, and um, and but I guess sort of what probably um, the honour of uh, going overseas at that age and representing my country and being with the senior like these older boys in my crew and and training with them was was a real eye opener. I think that sort of again. Probably was the start of like, wow, well, what 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 doors can can rowing open for me? And this is what a, what an opportunity. Like I'm rowing for for the country. I'm going overseas. We went to the Czech Republic for a for a training camp, and and I'm only seventeen. Like that that was just like fascinating to me. So I came back, I guess with that sort of uh, itch and um, my year twelve year uh, was sort of, that's the sort of the the study year for, for students in, in, in Australia. And then, um, obviously sport was a big thing for me, but I didn't opt to, to go to juniors, um, in that year, just because it fell quite uh, close to my academics and um, leaving exams, um, so we went to Henley um, and did the Forley Cup um, with the four of us from the the, the school eight. Uh, so that was a lot of fun as well, like doing the doing the quad at Henley and the, all those that have rode at Henley. It's like a so yeah. some people, oh, it's it's uh, it's the Royal Ascot of rowing, hail, so to speak. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we went over there and we had a great time. Being eighteen and like um, one of the guys are uh, Sam Locke, who was an ex role from. Uh, we're from from Australia, He's, he went to Princeton, he was at Princeton at the time and he went to my school and I, when I was in year 7, he was in year 12 and he was like a god, like he was just like <laughs> the guy that everyone wanted to yeah. be, right? And he was overseas, he was over at Henley um, when we were in year 12 and he sort of like took us under our wing with all the Princeton boys and they'd won, the, I think they won the Grand Challenge that year in 2006 and he was like, you're with me now, fellas. Look, I'll look after you. And like we were just like 12 twelve, eighteen-year-olds. Like this is That's the amazing. best. Like this guy we looked up best to at school, and now it? he's like just bringing us under his arm. And like, oh, it was amazing. Like we all still talk about it today. The three other blokes that were in the crew, and then sort of left school and and Sydney University Boat Club is my um is my club in in Sydney and. um so I remember that my school coach at the time, um, Andrew Randell and was sort of, i oh, probably only was about sort of 76, 77 kilos when I rode sort of competitively at school. And he's like, Oh, sort of, um, about that lightweight stuff. And the, the coaches in uni was sort of as close with Andy and, um, He's like, oh, yeah, lightweight, and I was like, oh, well, if someone's gonna like dangle the carrot out in front of me, well, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna do it. Like, this is sort of that. I was on that sort of like, well, if you want to show me where, where to go, I'm gonna do it for you. And so, I think I very like I very quickly sort of came out of school and got straight into the rowing, and um, I sort of came down to weight, and sort of by 2007, I was. Rowing a sort of a lightweight pair. Well, I actually did the single first and then they sort of pushed pushed us into and and trialed in the lightweight four in 2007. So I I made weight in 2007. So after school and and probably sort of reflecting on that time, like being sort of six foot one, six foot 12, probably I'm, yeah, what, six foot two, just under, probably. lightweight was uh if i probably you, if you scroll my instagram you'd be able to find a photo of me as a lightweight i don't really like to sort of show too many of those photos because it's not <laughs> you know, my, 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 it's not the best my best self um but yeah, yeah probably ma- i made weight and i got down but probably just um uh, and and had a great like a, a great experience moved at it like went down to tasmania to train with a couple of other 23s and live with them and like had a, a, an awesome time like such a, a fantastic time that was it. Under twenty three in Strathclyde, um, in Scotland, and and, and right again representing the country, a real honour. We we had a, um, we sort of had a semi final where we just missed out on the A final, but sort of had a um, second place in the B final, and and, and that again, lots like a really good learning. And then I remember coming off the back of um, that season, and it was sort of coming into that sort of Beijing period, and they um, rowing Australia had a a camp in December, and I was, I was lightweight and sort of. You, could come up to sort of a couple of kilos plus sort of seventy, and uh, was moving the boat really well, and sort of the long distance time trials, and um, sort of probably the extra couple of kilos probably worked to my advantage a little bit. And Then I got invited to like the senior camp as a bit of a learning for a young guy, and I'm in the boat with sort of like Sam Belts and Eddie, um, Eddie Anthony Edwards and uh, Ben Curid and Todd Skitworth, like all the like the legends of lightweight rowing in this country, and I just thought like this is just like, can you get any better? Like, this is amazing. Um, and I'm in a boat and, and Eddie's sort of teaching me and, and um, Antonio oh uh, uh, yeah, Antonio was the, was the lightweight sort of head coach at the time and sort of he was sort of helping me and I, I was just like, this is amazing. Like, I, look, he, This is like Christmas. It was like two weeks before Christmas in 2007. So I was like, okay, there's no Christmas present that's going to top this, right? Um, and then sort of 2008 came around and probably um, – probably the weight side of things and maintaining the weight and sort of I think the, the trap I fell into and says if there's any sort of lightweights out there listening sort of who sort of in my similar position was I probably I probably went down to weight too quickly and probably just really sort of probably didn't do it probably the smartest way um I just found that I think I was so motivated to make the team so motivated to get to uh to weight I probably sort of probably almost it was like a race to the scales rather than a race to like the finish line of the race like I think and reflecting of my my older mature self now and and so sort of 2008 I I didn't really make weight um coming sort of like nationals here and I was probably sort of finding I was probably um the performances sort of weren't where they were at and I I kind of sort of found that um probably the first time in, in the sort of my rowing sort of development that I found that things probably weren't where I wanted them to be. I wasn't sort of the boat wasn't moving well. I just wasn't myself Um, and I probably sort of 2008 sort of didn't go that well. I didn't represent and um, only sort of what, 20, just out of 1920 at that time, um, two years out of school. And it probably was the first time that I started to just not, um, it wasn't going well for me basically. Um, And I sort of bottled it up and the weight was starting to come up and I couldn't keep it down and, um, and I sort of kind of sort of was like, oh, yeah, you can do this yourself, like figure it out yourself. Like, And I sort of drifted away from the, the club scene a little bit at, at the shed and, and the training group. And um, I was living at um, at college at the time. I wasn't at home at my, my dad's. And I sort of felt that I just probably um, looking back and I probably just um, just kept it quite insular and like sort of what I was sort of trying to manage and deal with, I didn't sort of reach out for for help and sort of feel like, look, something's not right here. I'm not quite nailing this um and so that sort of drifted into 2008 and and 2009 as well and um was sort of the point in 2009 after probably a year of um probably just not in the good headspace and I I sort of Mm. just drifted away from the the club scene and um and the biggest thing like I reflect on and I sort of been a teacher I sort of reflect on this big like this moment in my career and I think sort of the thing I didn't do well then was I wasn't brave enough to ask for help because I guess I saw it as a bit of a sign of weakness because yeah I was this guy who'd had sort of success at school I'd stroked a winning aid like I'm on two senior I sent to an a, a under 23 team a junior team and like it was the first time where things probably for me weren't going well and I probably I, I just probably saw it as like it's just um I should, I, I'll just do this myself. I'll figure it out. But I, I, I never did. Um, it's probably the result of sort of that lightweight ex- experiment. But it really taught me in that 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 period of um, as a lightweight roller, and, and same as a heavyweight, but more so for me as a lightweight, and you've got to really you got to be on you got to be on top of everything, like the the, the nutrition, the training, the the uh, recovery, the the hydration. All those things are, are so important. I almost sort of reflected as I moved in. So 2009, I sort of made the call. I was like, I think lightweight's sort of done for me, and um sort of moved in and just sort of got back to the club and just got back rowing and and, and just enjoying the sport again like why we do the yeah. sport like at the end of the day like it's you got to be out there and like it's why I joined the sport at the end of the day like I for the fun the enjoyment being out there with my mates and um things were starting to improve again and um and then in under 23 um with my last year was in 2010 um and I wanted to so Sasha Bell and I who I rode in Rio with i'm um, in the quad scale but we actually were in the same club together and we're like like best best mate, best friends he was one of my groomsmen at my wedding and um he came down at that time in 2009 from queensland to sydney university and um we want we were sort of going really well as sort of under 23 scholars he'd been on a, a b team um, won a medal in uh 2009 and we wanted to do the double in uh, 2010 under 23s and we were going well and we'd, we'd raced a couple of the seniors at that time and we'd sort of uh we knocked off um I think we knocked off one of the like one of mean Scotty Brand or one of them like at state champs here in New South Wales um, in 2010 and we were, like we had a great um, a great race and we wanted to do the under 23 double and then I sort of fell sick of trials and so that was a bit of my last under 23 team. and so um, sort of at then I probably sort of found myself in a position I was into the seniors sort of after 2010 and I graduated from university um, in in 2011. Um, So I was sort of rowing but I probably that sort of foot half in the door type thing. I probably just was not fully invested and um, sort of transitioned to seniors and I probably spent a bit of 2010 just to sort of get strong and get back in the gym and build a bit of a foundation and then I I graduated from uni. I did a Bachelor of Education um, in PDHP teaching, so PE teaching and um, I started working in 2011 and um i started working at a school called uh shore so one of the rowing schools in sydney and so i started there in 2011 and, and 2012 and, and, and 2013 i was um just teaching and, and, and coaching rowing and i was in the boarding house there and, and really enjoying like i was like um my my now wife like my uh rosanna um uh, she goes by the name of Zanny, um, so I'll probably refer to her as Zanny when I when I when I talk about her. So some people yeah. say people know, like I'm not talking about two different people here. Um, <laughs> yeah, we all sort of. She was um, fin- like finishing off her uni and working, and it probably was like um, and, and thinking about that time. And your sort of first question of talk us through that sort of seven year hiatus a little bit, and it wasn't a time sort of in that period where. Um, people probably have written me off and I oh, tried the lightweight stuff didn't work out he's now working like I think he's I think he's done for and I think I never I, I hate the word quit like I just never liked the word like quit and sort of I think mm. a lot of people probably said oh he's he's probably done and and I, I probably didn't find myself um engaging much with sort of the, the the club scene or down at the sheds or I was sort of doing my work and I was coaching the rowing at the time um, at school and these kids were absolutely budding rowers, and they knew that I'd rowed at school and I'd been successful and they wanted to know about my my success. And I sort of, um, I remember this moment like I was coaching and I was loving the coaching. Like I think I was living my rowing life like through the kids. Like we were, I was like really like engaged so well with them and I was like, pushing and I was like, man, I yeah. feel like I'm in the boat with these kids. Um, and half the time I sometimes wanted to get in the boat. And I remember like this real sort of moment in 2012 where I was like, you need to get back in the boat, like, and I remember sort of having these conversations with myself. And I was working full time, and probably undenied it for a bit, like, "Oh, no, you're working full time. That's gonna be too hard." Like, so I put it off, and I'd, I'd go to the like school gym, and every now and again, and like I was busy. I was doing boarding house duties, and I was loving life. Like I was right engaged with everything. And so probably at the end of 2012, I, I was like, "No, nah, you're gonna go rowing. Like you got to get yourself down to the sheds and and get going. Like you got to do this." And I remember the alarm going off. Like this is probably. 2012 um end of 2012 uh, i hadn't set an alarm but for to go rowing for two years three years or maybe even more or touch a boat mm. at least and um this, this alarm goes off and, and keep in mind like class would start for me at sort of 8:20. so to do a, a session i'm sort of waking up at five o'clock to get down there and i remember taking down to the sheds and um i was the only one down there because all the other the sort of young young kids and the students were coming a bit later and i'm down there and i Get out, and I was sort of like sitting in the middle of the the like one of the rivers in Sydney and one of the waterways. I am like, it's pitch black dark, and there is light on it at the end of the boat. I am like, what? What are you doing out here? Like, seriously? <laughs> like, like you haven't rowed for a couple of years. You are unfit. You are like, you are not probably enjoying this. And but I, I, it was a real like another one of those sort of decisions. Like, I could have probably just turned around after being on the water for 20, 25 minutes on my own and just paddled, and no one's going to know if I was down there or not. But like only myself, right? Or I could have kept on going. And mm. turn it into an hour session, and made it something that was worthwhile. And I kept on going; like I, I just made the decision to to keep on going, and and that sort of one session turned into two, and um, and and so forth. And that probably just picked up that little bit of momentum, and I started to sort of enjoy being fit again. And I was sort of I was managing it with work, and I, and I just I guess that. That momentum and that, as we sort of when we've had time off for, for the for everyone, and you sort of start to get that bit of self confidence back. And I think that idea. And when I and when I when I reflect on that part of my journey, um, and if you sort of at that time, I sort of say that if someone then was a bit going to say in 2012, like in a couple of years time, you're going to go to your first Olympic games and win a silver, and then after that, you're going to go to the next one and win a bronze, I would have said they were mad. Like all I wanted to do yeah. was just rope. Like all I wanted to do was just prove to myself that I could get back in a boat. And and if you can prove it to yourself, I reckon you can prove it to anyone that you can you can do what you set your mind to. Um, because yourself's the hardest critic, right? Like I'm out there with myself, sort of saying, I reckon you can just go back in, no or no or no. Like you've got to keep on going, like and so that resilient, like live in the moment, like I decided to keep on going, and I think that was probably the biggest decision I've made in the last since then. And in 2013, I just competed at state champs. Um, and I guess I was sort of watching sort of the 2012 um, and knowing a few of the guys like Dan Noonan. I was very friendly. He was from New South Wales. James McRae I knew very well and and Carsten and, and Chris Morgan, the 2012 um, quad, And in 2011, they were world champions. I, I watched all that. Like I I loved watching it. Like, And I'm there just sort of thinking like, oh, that's, you know, like you'd see someone else succeed. It's like, oh, that, I, I want that. Like I, that could be me, right? Yeah. And then in 2013, I just raced at... Um, sort of the domestic regattas here in Australia and then I sort of trained over um, sort of the, the winter of 2013 and worked and then 2014 I I, re, I gained a spot in the, the quadruple skull um, for the world champs in 2014. So from 2007 lightweight four to a heavyweight quad in 2014, there's probably, there are a few cases of lightweights turning into uh, senior heavyweight scullers and um, I think we're, we're, we're a niche group. We're a small group that yeah. um, I think... Um, yeah, that's probably that, that period of sort of seven years were of of international um racing for me. And yeah. and it wasn't in that time that I learned a lot in that time and more so that real defining moment for me in, in twenty twelve <laughs> where I had some some decisions to make, but not someone else doing it for me. It was or making those decisions for me or or telling me when to get up. It's that no, do it on um, your own terms. It, it do it on your own. And, and and that's what Rowan teaches you, right? Like and 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 I think sort of when I reflect and I sort of even when I'm mentoring young kids in teaching it's sort of yes I know you all want to win and you all, all want to hold something you can see something around your neck or, or put something above your head as a big trophy but it's also sort of sometimes the the, the defining moments in your life that personally that you take away as well um, that I think is the real true gold medal and it does take time sometimes to to let the dust settle and reflect like that and this is my older mature self sort of talking to my 2012 person but mm. I look back now and I'm thinking well I'm, I'm glad I made that probably the biggest decision in my rowing career to date to, to not turn around because who knows where I would have been if I turned around and that's that taking a little bit of that responsibility being accountable and that resiliency that I think rowing teaches you like it does, it's uh and then again like I probably found myself as I got a bit more confidence, I remember at the time like the the, the other group of athletes would just sort of like go wash, drive straight past me because I was doing my own thing at the time because I had to be at work at 8.30 and as it slowly went on, I got a bit better and my times improved and then I was had that confidence to sort of reach out for help and engage my coach more and, and that again was a, a real turning point of that wasn't me in 2007 2008 as a lightweight where i really bottled it up and tried to do it all on my own i really grew from that and again that's the value of our own right it just teaches you so much about yourself and your character and and what you can
0: what you can do definitely we we got some really good stuff there i want to dig in i mean that is such a good start to to the episode to just get that beginning of the journey and like those defining moments and you know you're if you're like listening to you if you had probably pushed on a little bit you know in 2000 and you know uh, ish that time you probably would have ended rowing and and never got back in the in the boat there so you know to take that step back and then find the hunger find the like the belief in this, in yourself to go back on the water and then pick it up again must have just been incredible and i mean the lightweight stuff is also really intense and i think the arc uh, i think it's 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 more common than you think like that under 23 is trying to go lightweight yeah but like you know you're still young and you're still probably growing a little bit and you know just trying to stay on that weight is is really really difficult and mm. you know making that uh, transition then to heavyweight must have been much easier when you when you came back in in you know 2012 2014 it must have just been way more natural and and you know now not having this whole extra thing and you know it's just so funny because you say how you wanted to do it all yourself and you know, you didn't ask for help, and I think a lot of lightweights. You know, it's like making weight is like uh, almost like this uh, spiritual or you know, very secretive kind of method, and you know, often not very scientific. And um, you know, just amazing to to hear you discuss that, and then the transition into kind of that time off, and then getting that hunger back is oh, it's really, really incredible. And then so yeah, let's go into 2014 when you this is now your your first international racing. Uh, since 2007 and I mean that must have just been what was it like getting on the start line of that World Cup uh, f- that the first World Cup and and what was it like kind of being back racing and
2: that was also a home yeah. World Cup for you oh, as yes, well that's, a, that that's been a, been yeah, in Australia that's right, so that yeah. must have been awesome so, like twenty, like we had it in twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen, when sort of World Cup, um, World Cup one came to Australia, which was, like I remember, I was I was just in twenty thirteen. I sort of the saw the guys competing, and I was just doing. I just did the single skull for my club that year, but the guys were sort of had the World Cup and watched, and and then being there sort of a year later, um, I um, I did the double skull with, with with Sash, um, and we got the second to to the Lithuanians, um, Sally's Ritter, and. Uh, I can't remember his um, his partner at the time, but two two giants. It's you Chris look at a photo it? of Sasha. No, the it, point it wasn't Chris Conas, It was uh, another. No, um, yeah, I'm not and, sure um, what his name we, is either. Yeah, and um, well, we come up to like their armpits. And I remember the other the Italian double was. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the Lithuanians from, are big, uh, was, big guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that like it was, like great of them to sort of come come to come to Aussie and and race World Cup one and and then we race a quad as well. Um, and, and again, like coming like. That was my first um international racing and racing um competitively inter- internationally in yeah as you said seven years and I think sort of at that time like I probably I probably at that time probably didn't really think about it too much because obviously it's like, like when you're in a in, when you're in a crew boat and you're you're there with your your crewmate uh, being the double and then the cord like it's like oh've got a roll here like I, I, the boat we've got the process and like we, we know what we need to do and I probably was just so um engulfed in that I was just probably um wanting to just deliver on that probably but now you sort of say like first international race in 7 years like what does it feel like and i was like i probably just was more worried about doing my job and 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 for for the double um for Sasha and i like making sure that we we had a successful doubles race and we had it, like we had a great race like it was um us and the and the Italians and um we sort of yeah and we we snagged the silver against the lithuanians which was which was really good like uh, uh, i remember probably in that race, like I was making the calls, and, and for those that are row right, right, right with me, like, oh, like I like I enjoy making the calls. I'm not I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I I'm not going to coach every cro- sh- every stroke down the uh, course because I find it a full credit to those crew crew members that absolutely just have that just can breathe the normally and and speak normally because I'm a bit of a yeah go now yeah that's good yeah. <laughs> I haven't mastered the art just quite yet so um, yeah, it's a real
1: skill to be able to to give uh, you know that that feedback. But also as an athlete, I don't I don't think I wanted my crew boat someone. You know, coxing us the whole way down. I think that could that could become quite frustrating.
2: Yeah, you're probably true. Yeah, exactly. Um, I remember, yeah, just at the time, like I was running the double with, with, with Sasha, and yeah, we, yeah, I, yeah, I reflect on that moment, and I think at my mum and dad's house, I remember. Um, I think I, was, I was still, I've got a, I've got a all hung up, and it's got a few photos from that year. So yeah, it was, I guess it's a again a very memorable moment for me. It's my first races, and and in that boat, um, like we were coached by Tim McLaren, like one of Australia's like most successful, I think. Um, Olympic medal coaches not only as an athlete but as a coach as well I think there's uh, there's many games where he hasn't been to previous to this one that he hasn't won a medal um, so he's very, very very skillful and he's a man of the quad himself and he knows the boat and he knows sculling well and um, and Chris Morgan um, world champion from 2011 bronze medalist from the, the quad he was in that boat as well and um, to sort of uh, uh, Rhys Grant and um, Kieran Kabelki so um Reese went on in the next cycle uh, in 2016 to wrote the single and we were sort of very i guess a a new crew um a bit of a a new to the quad skull so to speak at a senior level but having chris there like chris morgan like he's an absolute talent and he really probably set the standard for us in terms of um like how to train and what is what what train like a senior men's crew really means And, and also tim mclaren like a The master of the stroke and um really got a a real probably opened probably my that next level of development and learning for me about sort of how to move the boat and um not just sort of the the training bracket he's really sort of keyed onto the technique and how we're going to move it together and being in tune with the boat and all these things sort of i remember throughout that whole season just learnt got better and better and better and we um we went to henley that year and um we raced uh, the Brits in the final of, of the the quad at Henley, but we had a, a really good race in our sort of the the semi. I think there was only two races that year in the in the quad, but we had a, a good first race against. I think it, it might have been the French that time. We like I remember it was like we just where we were at. We were really pleased with it, and then we had World Cup three off the back of Henley and um, first time I've rode at Lucerne. Like as we like, you all remember your first time rowing at uh, yeah. Lucerne, right? The Lake like of the gods. Yeah, sort of that's right, the Lake of the Gods, and um. And look, we sort of didn't have a, a world's best regatta, but like it just to be there and and, and learn and, and take the take the uh, sort of the opportunity on, and, and um, we then came back from uh, Lucerne back to Australia and, and sort of continued training back here in Sydney. We were all sort of like I was part time sort of doing my teaching at that time, and Chris Morgan was doing his job, um, sort of in like computer software and engineering at the time, and so he was sort of quite busy, and we were sort of managing things, and then. We sort of got the nod that we were able to go on to um, the World Champs that year, and, and that, which was all fantastic. There was that sort of hint of will we continue, and like we probably didn't hit the benchmark that Row Australia at the time sort of wanted us to, to do, but they gave us an opportunity, which was which was great. And, and I remember um, I remember it sort of my first Senior World Championships on the Bosbahn there in um, in 2014, and I just remember going there, and I and I was sort of being. Again, proud and, and to wear the green and gold and represent Australia and be around like so many other great. Like, there was the men's four that was going really had a great successful regatta. Then Sash and Jimmy, um, in the double, uh, got a bronze. And like like what they go like six minutes on the on in that race in the final when the yeah. Croatians did the 559. And, um, there was like the women's double of Sally Keogh and, um, uh, Olympia Alderson we still got the fastest time from then and so I was just like in in awe of all these like very successful boats that were going well and and and, and we were really sort of wanting to do well ourselves and, and wanted to sort of get into that a final and I just uh I remember catching myself just like looking at like all the all the other countries just like how like how sort of like they just got off the bus all together in the same gear and how they presented on the water and I'm like, oh, I want to be an athlete like that, and then consequently, yeah. I watched all these sort of athletes that I was sort of caught um, and been distracted by because they just looked the part, like winning the medals, and I was like, I want to, like that, I want to be that, like that, I, I just want to be that athlete. So that that experience of going to my first one, and you, and you learn so much, right? Like if you if you come away with a medal, like absolutely fantastic, like full credit to you. But if you, even if you don't come away, you still come away with a lot of. Uh, Lessons and 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 experiences and and for me it was that idea of, okay, I've got an understanding now of what senior rowing's like, and I took that back and then working with Tim McLaren and in that quad he then sort of probably gave me that springboard to what my twenty fifteen looked like, which was going from a C final to to, to a silver. So silver, that's, that for yeah, me, that's incredible. Yeah, um, that for me was was massive. Yeah, no, I'm sure it
1: was big, and I I do wanna you know I do wanna get into a bit of like the, the you know the, the changes that were made for the 2015 because i mean the australian men's squad i mean that this this has been an established boat in the last um three olympiads at least um just in terms of you know when you're looking at the results so it's definitely a a boat that's gotten medals and it's a, a boat that the you know the stra- australian rowing seems to have you know put a lot of effort in developing um athletes and you know you, like you said there was a you know, there's a group You know, was a, a group of 2012 athletes that continued on. So, I mean, there was definitely, there must have been this, for you maybe not so much of the time, but there must have been this kind of expectations that you guys could have done, you have the potential to do really well. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it must have been a little bit disappointing coming away um, with a C-final finish at the, the 2014 World Champs, maybe just to the fact that you've probably known you could have done a lot better. And I mean, straight off in 2015, you know, you got a fifth place, Second World Cup, sixth place in the third World Cup, and obviously a fantastic race to finish silver just behind, you know, the German crew, which were probably the hardest thing um, on the on the quad circuit at that time. So, I mean, it's an immediate improvement, you know, only a finals. So, you know, what what do you think were the the changes that kind of put, put yourself in right up to the top of the world and then obviously winning the silver medal at World Champs? You know, the year before the games—that's that's a huge result and must have been a huge confidence boost going into 2016.
2: Yeah, so I um I get sort of touching on sort of coming off the back of 2014 and 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 sort of a sea final and as I sort of said like um, I sort of remember at that time like I was I was managing I I wanted to I didn't want to have that experience again I wanted to I, I was I watched the the medalists win their races and and I saw like Jimmy and Sash in that double for Aussies win that bronze medal and I was like. I want to do that next year. Like I want Mm. to win a medal. Like I, I like there's some things that I need to change from a, a training perspective for me. And if I'm going to do this right and give myself every opportunity to be in that position this time next year at the world championships, then I need to sort of, I guess, take that responsibility on what's going to make, make it work for me. And I was, I was working, um, sort of still as a teacher full-time and managing things. And there was times where I sort of, with my work, they were really supportive at, at the school and gave me time when I could sort of focus a bit on rowing or if I had a test one day or we had a time trial coming up or a sort of monitoring piece during whatever the month was. Um, but I just I realigned um, where I was training out of. I still use my coach and at Sydney Uni, just where the river was, like for, for me to maximise. I basically asked myself, how am I going to maximise my training but still sort of be the best teacher i can be as well so i managed full-time work and full-time training at the end of 2014 but i made some decisions which i knew were going to help me be a better athlete and i think that at the end of the day like um if you want to go to the best and sort of sit on the start line at, at an olympic games or a world championships you got to know that you have done everything in your power to give yourself the best opportunity and know that you've done that and because i think that brings confidence if you're sort of in that process of uh, or reflecting like, oh, I should have done this, or could have done this. Like, I think you're you're selling yourself short a little bit. So that was one thing that I did in 2014. I just re- realigned a few things that I knew that I had to do. What what was also happening in my life as well, which was full time work and being a teacher. And then 2015, I um we had trials, sort of trials, and the, they picked the quad, and the guys like I was the only one that sort of held my spot in the quad um in 2015, and um. And then we had Carsten um, Fosterling come into that boat. So from the bronze medal quad in London, um, world champion in the 20, in 2011 quad. We had David Crochet, like Olympic gold medalist from the double yeah. scull with Scotty in Beijing. He also had rode a, got a silver in the quad in 2009. He also, I think, uh, medaled um, in maybe 11, maybe in the quad, oh, 10, sorry, in the quad. But like, again, like a hugely like, your Olympic gold medalist coming into your boat. And then Dave Watts, who was um, a young under-23, under the sort of who sort of first sort of senior team, he had some under-23 doubles in 14 and uh, 13, I think, and then in oh, maybe in 14, but then came into the quad in 15. And I think sort of probably the biggest thing that for me in that time was being able to be in a rowing boat with, Olympic bronze medalist and Olympic gold medalist and a world champion. Like, does it get like it's like it's like running on the field to be the Springboks, right, or the Wallabies? Like growing up, like this is a dream. Much more prestigious, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and they really opened my eyes up and sort of my mindset up of of how to train, sort of with the intent, like how to be a a senior roller and how to sort of really take that on board and and then also how to train like we're going there to be sit on that star line and and fight for a medal Um, whereas I think in 2014 I guess being a young crew and first time we probably didn't really probably have that right um, intent and that right focus and probably that and really cementing that in into our training period we're probably a little bit inconsistent Um, whereas I think that consistency was something that I learned massively from Carsten and and Crosh um, that year in 2015, and we had John Dreesen. We moved down to Tasmania um, to the Huon River where he's from. Um, John Dreesen, the coach, and he coached the boat in um, in Beijing and London, uh, the quad. So, man of a lot of experience of the of the quad. And I think sort of one of the big things that he also then sort of taught us from day like from session one was we're going to learn how to row this boat and move this boat before we start thinking about k after k's after k's after k's like if we're mm. we're not going to have the approach of sort of more more to start and then we'll figure out the rowing as we go along like let's get the the fundamentals right um of how we're going to move this boat together um and then the rest will take care of itself and i, I really like sort of reflect on that and i think it's a great way to sort of start um a new crew or and we like i was the only one three like we'd all never rowed together i know carson and crawsh had probably done some time together and so that was like our real grounding, like that was our foundation of what we're really going to set it off. And and John, we had quite sort of each day was sort of different sort of um, pieces and sort of mid-rate pieces, sort of high-rate pieces, like that real mix of sort of really putting the rhythm of, like that we were creating under that bit of pressure, like at low rates, at mid-rates, at high rates. So it was quite a mix. And I think we we responded quite well to that. Um, and then we sort of had that period overseas, sort of that three-month period in Verese uh, at the ETC where the um, – where the Aussies go, um, and again, I think sort of the combination of of Dave um, and myself um, as the new guy, like sort of the, the the I guess the junior senior guys, so to speak, and the, and and only yeah. second time for me, first time for David, but then for Crawsh and Karsten to really, um, I guess, bring us on board and really sort of keep that boat driving in the right direction where we wanted it to go. Like that was a, quite a real memorable sort of experience for me. And then coming into Agblet, like we. Of sort of first two World Cups, we had our first World Cup where we um, had the final in Varese and and again that was sort of the the speed of the quad. Then was you had the Brits, then you had the Germans, then you had um, the, I think the Estonians were up there. We had asked the, the Swiss, so like the the heat of like the the sculling, I think the quad field has been was consistently quick. Um, and then we went to Lucerne um, two weeks later and we had a great first heat. Like we really sort of probably we had two weeks of really good consistent training, but then Dave, our stroke seat, got sick on the night of the final and then we put our reserve in for the final. But still, I think we, we sort of came away from there with some sort of good learnings. And then into sort of 2015, we we sort of, one of the big things we sort of, I remember John would sort of reflect on this for me and, and for the boat was we really were keyed on to the, the talk like the process and really sort of all conversations were a lot about um the process and what's all, not sort of the outcome like we just not a lot of talk about oh the metal here or this or that it was really about like what's going to get us there um, and that became quite a lot of our language and um, our responsibilities and our roles, and so that was probably again another learning for me that i've continued on. With but then sort of ag and again, as we all know, like the year before the Olympics, it's a qualification year, and but not the sort of I think that's job one you like number one, you got to qualify the boat, and then mm. number two, like we'll focus on how far up the medal, medal, uh, can we get? So, um, yeah, we had a like obviously our final, um, the Germans sort of where well, you had pretty much three three people from the the, the gold medal winning boat from 2012 and then Hans Gruny into the stroke seat. Um, so a very a lot of depth in that crew and a crew that's probably had a lot of time together. And I think, and I'll sort of touch on this sort of later, but I think there's something in that quad skull is sort of in the, the years gone by, that, that continuity of athletes or the front crews has been quite a cons- consistent theme. Um, the core of a lot of the successful quads, I think, has been around for
0: two cycles, maybe even three cycles. And I think that's a big thing. And in you, a lot and of the you boats. even you even touched on it there when you're saying like now you'd spend some time in the boat and you were starting to establish like your roles in the boat and you know just kind of cementing the crew dynamic which is you know maybe something that gets overlooked a little bit you know when you, you're just looking you know for when you're first getting into new crews it's always power it's always like the just how does the boat go together and where are people sitting mm. but then only after time in the crew do you start to like establish the, the right roles in the boat and the you know the trust in the crew and things like that and i think those are as important but you know they take much longer to to kind of establish totally
2: totally and like i think sometimes we can get caught up with like just asking that question of of how fast are we going what's the speed like how fast can this crew go and it's sort of look you might it might come down the track for at a trial well one day but then the next day like or what's the continuity of that speed like Mm. like as as the training gets harder and the you really start to tap into the number solely who you are um and for your crew and like and 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 your crew as well and i learned that a lot from carsten and and croche and that's i think a big part of the sort of the the success in 2015 of that medal and um was like that relationships and communication and a lot of time spent away from the boat working on those areas as well um because i i really grew from that experience and i think that combination of dave um watts and myself um second senior team for me sort of really like that first, probably real solid season. And those guys probably ha- giving us that opportunity to really develop those skills and and, and working with us was, it was a real good combination, that real good mix of um, youth and all sort of new people with, and with the older sort of experienced guys. And I really valued that because again, it went on to, to help me in 2016.
0: And then just before we get to, to, to the real games is the qualification uh, you know you finish second at, uh, at the qualification gather, but the quad is always really intense because it's you know most other boats it's if you make it into the a final or qualifications done, you can focus on uh you know going out to to put your best performance out whereas the quad is is usually top five, and you know that last place um doesn't make it to the game so talk about going into that a final and what was it like you know how yeah. how much were you focused on uh on that qualification?
2: Yeah, sort of. Um, yeah, I think sort of at that, like in twenty sixteen uh, or twenty fifteen, sorry, for the Olympics in twenty sixteen, that that qualification sort of um, quota of spots that year, and then obviously then you got your, your FQR ones the next year. And I think for us, it was um, whilst it was something that we discussed. Um, I think we still I come back to that idea of sort of understanding your role and knowing our pro- like the process and and really sticking to that. And I think when you've got that sort of that trust and that 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 terminology and that communication style, I, I think it, it it has a pay, a real importance in a crew. Um, if it's sort of something that's a bit inconsistent, then I think when you come to racing, you sort of wonder, oh, why do we go well here and not well there? Well, I think you almost reflect on, well, what was our sort of processes leading into this? Was it in and around our process and how we're we going to row the boat and, and what are we going to do to deliver on that that crew process? That probably didn't really change for. The Arsenal for definitely I think for um, myself, yeah. just I can speak is that idea of what's my role here and what I'm in the three seat, Dave's in the stroke seat, I've got i got Cast behind me, and I got Crosh in the bow seat, like what's what are our roles here? Um and I think sort of going into that race, like we had a really tough semi. I don't know if you've sort of seen that, like the semis. I remember like we had that the semis were pretty much like we were in a pretty good spot coming in, and then the race just like they yeah, had the Lithuanians and the Swiss. It was just like we were engulfed with crews in that last two hundred, as you always see in semis, right? But I've got I remember a photo just like it just bow balls. All you could see was bow balls just crossing the line, and we, we snagged the second, but like third was was right behind, and the Australians were right there, and so it was made for a pretty hot final. Um, but again, I, I think sort of that just come back to that. Um, what, when people ask you sort of like what's going through your head when you sit on a start line it's like well i guess i'm just sort of really that the what's the what's my role here like what and that's what crawsh and carson really taught me is like that real understanding of what's my role um at, in our process and that was probably the biggest thing that sort of went through my mind and then to you sort of watch it back we're sort of in that in that final we're sort of coming in that last 500 and we're actually like pretty tight so it might be a canvas down a bit more than to the Germans but then they just like after the like 500 to go they take a very sort of the, the next hundred sort of into the like the 10 strokes after the 1500 to go like they sort of move again and sort of we probably just we can't hold speed but um again first first senior medal and a very memorable experience had all my my mum and dad there Zanny there for my first senior race and, and a beautiful course as well like that place was mm, so cool. stunning um, The a turquoise it was
1: water of is uh something that's not a lot of places around the world have have got.
2: Yeah, I know. I know it was, and that was like it's my only, it's my second, second senior world championships. we going to a place like that. I was like, can this, like, this, can this get any better? Like, we're not rock stars, but we go to some pretty mm. cool parts of the world, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and Igbole mm. is is right up there. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: absolutely. Then, yeah, and then I mean, going into twenty sixteen, like having that second place finish, and then you know the, you know that, you know that does kind of change, you know the. the Expectations maybe a little bit maybe adds a bit of pressure but you know a bit of pressure is always a, is always a good thing and then yeah you guys I mean in 2016 I mean the the form that the, the Australian men's squad had in 2016 was phenomenal I mean the 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 two uh, uh, World Cup wins especially uh, most importantly is winning that um, the World Cup in Lucerne which is always usually the biggest and most competitive World Cup of the circuit and then you know obviously going um, onwards to win the silver medal Olympics and you know, the confidence for you guys going to the Olympics must have been incredible and the belief that you've had, because especially, you know, you went, you beat the German German quad. And I think, uh, you know, going into, you know, the the, the Rio Olympics, you know, you, the, the confidence must have been super high. So, you know, chat to us about, you know, where was your headspace at the time? And obviously, you
2: know, chat to us a bit about that, uh, that medal
1: winning performance.
2: Yeah. So 20, 2016, and like, you know, I, sort of, a, um, that was my first year sort of um, I took for time off work I I just sort of concentrated on on rowing I took leave and um, we were selected in our trials here in Australia we're in March and um, where the quad became the priority boat for 2016 um, here in Australia and Sculling group because in 2013 14 and 15 it was the double Um, so Sash and Jimmy were in the double in 14 um, and then in 15 they're in the double and then um, the quad being higher ranked in 2015 we then as a the sculling head coaches john dreason and red aleph at the time the, the quad became the priority boat and i didn't i guess sort of um I, I guess i probably just really still solely focused on what do i need to do at trials like is performing the single and then opportunities that come up in the quad just just do what you need to do control what you can control and that's just your own bit your own performance and and just be there for what you can do for the other guys type thing. What do I need to do to get the best out of them and successful in, in holding my seat in twenty sixteen and um Carsten as well and um and then Sash and Jimmy from the double came across and so I guess sort of you got Jimmy and Carsten who had rode together for pretty um 2011 and, and 2012 and got a gold together they got a bronze together sash and i sort of we'd rode quite a lot together at Sydney university um and had some quite sort of successful races never sort of internationally but sort of a lot of doubles that have gone quite quite fast domestically and so that sort of came together and so from very quickly i think sort of again like the environment that sort of Carsten and, and Cross set up in 2015. It was very much similar and I felt that sort of from Carsten and Jimmy in, in 2016. It's that sort of really taught me sort of now we're in the Olympic crew, like this is how you sort of we're going to go about how we're going to prep for the Olympics and then also how we're going to go there and, and want to buy for a medal. Um, and and Sash as well had a lot of like success at sort of juniors and under 23s and seniors as well. And um, I think that the, the dynamics sort of that idea of sort of, what do I need to do to get the best out of my crew members? And what are they going to do to get the best out of me? How do I bring my best self to this crew? And I think that was a big motivating factor. And you guys would touch on it before, like the the importance of sort of relationships and communications and being a good communicator, but sometimes like being a better listener um, to your crew members and and really taking that on board. And, and I think sort of when the times are good, everything's great, but it's sort of when the the difficult time yeah. comes up and there's conflict or how do we deal with conflict resolution or how are we going to really have these sort of discussions that are important for the boat, but how are we going to have them in a real constructive way? And and so we were, I think having John Dreesen as the coach as well, then like we were, we developed a quite a good rapport with each other and a, a really good way of dealing with this sort of thing. And, and we approached sort of World Cup and you'll soon World Cup two was the first, uh, first test for us. And, um, and we had it like a good heat and like with the quads at the time sort of first through straight to the final um you'd have the Saturday off and then the Sunday and um it was sort of for the crew we were sort of managing sort of some um some family stuff within within the crew and there was sort of some externals within the boat that were going on at the time and then to come out and have that performance at um in in Lucerne was meant a lot to us um what sort of we were individuals sort of were managing it. It was a really cherishing moment for us. And I think a real sort of like, let's just keep going. And, and one of the members actually of our crew returned to Australia for the, the couple of weeks leading into Poznan and then came back just a week out of Poznan, sort of had to come home. Um, and But the boat sort of just kept on sort of focusing and kept on going forward. And and then when um, the, other, the member returned, just hit the ground running in, in Poznan. It's the same sort of idea. And we sort of had this, like, we sort of focused on what do we get from Lucerne, but where are we going and what's, what's our next sort of thing in Poznan. And I think we sort of used to have this sort of in the final and reflecting, we used to just sort of have this, let's just build the rhythm out of the start and then just, just, just ride it down the course. Like, let's not do too much to sort of change this, this, this ride type thing. Um, And I think that's what we we sort of did quite well in Poznan. And um, I met sort of, beating the Germans, um, again, obviously, sort of current world champions, current Olymp- Olympic um, gold medalists, like probably looking at them and I know that they were doing some sort of selections at the time and that didn't really faze us too much. We knew what we needed to do in our boat and um, where we were going and I remember at the time uh, coming off the, the dais in um, in Poznan, I think it might have been Ka- King, uh, Carl Schultz or one of the guys, he sort of uh, was walking off, he's like, what are, you, what, what are your erg scores, Cam? What are your erg scores? And I remember sort of saying to him at the time like, oh, like, 620 or something like that and I watched him as he walked off and he sort of tapped <laughs> I think he was he said to Lawrence he's like he looked like in Germany He said yeah they did 620 I, I think I think there's something going on I like it we're like yeah we're in their heads I mean we're in their heads type nice. thing but no no we had obviously some good battles in 2016 and then um I remember again like in that sort of we'd come off the back of sort of four wins um and then we we're sort of six weeks out from the games and um we were in the ETC and we are sort of having a sort of a, a crew uh, meeting and no one had sort of been in that position before, like, definitely not me because I was probably the most sort of, in terms of international races uh, and teams, like the the least out of all four of us. Um, and Jimmy and Cass, like, they'd never won four internationals in a row and had two World Cup medals, like two winning World Cup medals. and um, So... We- it was a v- probably that, that, like that new ground and sort of that like point of how do, where do you go from being at the top, like where's the ceiling, right? How do we keep on, like where do we keep on going here? Like what are we really mm. tapping into? And we really sort of really looked at that, well, we're going to keep, this is how we want to row the boat, right? Like this is our rhythm and this is how, this is what we're going to be keyed onto. And we used to sort of had that sort of our underlining sort of crew sort of Overarching thing was we 're going to have the most uncompromising rhythm, no matter what the conditions, because as we know, like we were facing conditions in Rio that we were it was not going to be pan flat, so that was like our sort of big bold statement we 're going to have the most uncompromising rhythm, no matter what the conditions, and then underneath that, we sort of had a sort of a discussion around well. let's not answer it now, like let's go away and think about your role and write down three things and then come back and we're going to have a crude chat and you're going to present, you're going to sort of share them with the group. Um, And I remember at the time sort of for me it was, and this was, again, a really like a reflection point around that, accountability sort of responsibility and 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 what is someone in what are my crew members going to hold me accountable for and what am I going to put my hand on heart and say like this is what I believe I'm doing well and I need to do and the boat will be going fast because of it so that's sort of real I'm going to put my my name to this and mine was sort of stay long for for Jimmy out front stay smooth and, and and stay clean around the back um if I sort of went through those things in my head in that sort of six weeks leading up to the games number one um it gave me real clarity and i guess it took a bit of that sort of mind fog out of like uh oh going to the olympic games or oh, like what well, it's very to be stressful it made it very quite clear of how i was going mm. to go about it sort of from a processing point of view and i think the big thing is, is for me what it did was it kept things simple um and that like almost that confidence that i'm doing these things well um, and i had trust in my other the other guys sort of what they're sort of doing well and the, we're going we're going we're hitting good speeds and we're going well because of it and that was quite a like that real like uplifting moment that like, we're going like let's keep doing what we're doing we don't need to change much let's keep it simple and yeah you know, that's like you can check in with each other sort of how you're going with those sort of each point each point, and, and everyone sort of knew what sort of little bits were each other was thinking about to bring it all together to that big crew rhythm and that idea of the most uncompromising rhythm no matter what the conditions and I, and I remember that, that meeting very clearly and we sort of decided the first one, let's go away, have a think about it come back and and then sort of going into into rio and um and again there was we were sort of faced with that well as we we all know like it was it was not going to be pan flat like we knew reports it was going to be windy and it was gonna come from the bow side or whatever the prevailing stroke side or whatever oh, stroke side actually I think it was, and then it blew completely different and as it do, always does hey? um mm. and there was you you plan for. Yeah, that's right. And so I remember um, we had a sort of a, a team, we were sort of maybe two weeks out from leaving for the games. We had a big national team sort of race day, 2K over the Gavrate course. And it was blowing perfect cross breeze across the course. Like this couldn't we get any better for, for Rio, right? And we're, we're sort of looking at the conditions and there was a few coaches sort of, um in an RN and are in and... But it, like we were like we're going out like look at it out there like that's a perfect opportunity to either get it right or completely stuff it. Um, so it was us. We went out and I think they postponed it or something for some of the smaller boats. And we went out and we for the first two k race we were like that we we had we really had a shocker. We didn't get it right. So we're like okay we have got to go back out and do this again and figure it out. And then we had it like we had another piece and we're like okay that's how we like that's how you row the cross breeze. And so it was that sort of mm. we're gonna figure this out and we're gonna really know. Um, because I think sort of when we got to Rio and you're sort of looking at the conditions and it was like, geez, she's uh, it's not pan flat. Um, like I think sort of a lot of the, some of the nice places that a lot of us get to row in Europe, it's very, mm. it's very picturesque. But Rio it was, was very not different picturesque. from
1: very different from Egbelet the, the year before. Egbelet was incredibly flat, beautiful place to to row on, and obviously yet to Rio also Egbelet is it's a fairly rural uh, area, whereas uh, Rio, you sit situated at the Olympic Games, dead center in the middle of the city um, on Lago de Freitas, and uh, there's a hell of a lot of wind going all over the shop, so it was definitely a little bit more of a pressure cooker environment, you know, not just with the games attached, like the actual course itself. But I think the
0: the best part is that, you know, everyone knew it was going to be windy, everyone was like, cool, we're trying to prepare for the wind, but I mean, there's no way you would have ever prepared for that much wind, like uh, there's no one... There's no other regatta that has been that windy and that much crosswind as well. I mean, mean, the course broke. The course broke on the one day and they had to cancel a a whole day of racing. So I
2: mean I couldn't imagine what it'd been like in a small boat, you know, pair. Like, oh full (laughs) credit to you guys. I don't know. Like that's just like no,
1: but the lightweights as well. I feel for the lightweights because you know they've got weighing in and not Mm -hmm. only did they have to deal with canceled days, you know, they had to, you know, obviously weighing in as a big uh, pressure moment for lightweights and then obviously that gets moved around i, th- I can't imagine how difficult to, i mean you know chatting yeah. we had like we you know we had lightweight rows at the time very good friends with some of them so you know i knew it was it was really tough for them to to get that
2: right yeah you know, oh and and i can like only like reflect on like, as you you guys know like we, so you sort of get there and you're on the ground and and it was sort of like the first couple of days is sort of windy and you're getting used to like that like, sort of getting used to routine and on the water and and sort of having a few sort of your, your preparation pieces and um, and I think that's sort of whole time for us like we had our how how we go about our warm up like how we're going to prepare sort of for for our first race and um and sort of then the the first race came around and we were staying sort of relatively sort of close we had a sort of um, Australian Olympic team had like a second hub for sort of the sports sort of mm. around that area so the, some of the rowing crews were. Um, we're in there so that was obviously quite handy and um i guess being the my first olympic games and used to sort of the, the world championships very much a smaller regatta not as many crews and because uh, the boats that qualify for each event and um just the weather as you guys said like the regatta just being like almost like the the cbd of uh right in the center of everything and people everywhere and um, um the security and, and all those things and i think but um the coming back to just sort of that um, that process that I had in sort of leading up to sort of that in, into Rio and how we had that 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 discussion and 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 what's going through my sort of my, what's my process, what are the things that I need to do well, and that's probably the the thing that I really reflect on as a first time Olympian. What sort of what was I thinking about? Well, I think it was very much sort of what's my job and what what did I say six weeks ago that I've been really practicing and um, mm. first Olympic heat and uh, we're sitting on the start line and like that that day was. It was bobbly, like yeah, it was windy and it was bobbly, and like you sit on the start line, and but you just you know you you know your role and you know your job, and we were successful in um winning our heat uh in the quad um and then through to the a final, but I remember like our heat, like it wasn't it it, it probably wasn't our most perfect race. I think we had a few few sort of dirty strokes, and I think sort of um there was almost a, almost a lost oar at some point, but it was regrabbed just after the thousand, and but we. We were, it did that sort of job one done and then sort of into the final, and um, and then sort of the final day came around, and um, sort of it's blowing that real strong head breeze like, very strong head breeze. And we're like, yep, yeah, okay, like we've been out for our pre row, and it's like, oh, it's 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 windy, but we used to have this uh, this saying, unless Thomas Buck's on the pontoon, we're going rowing like we're racing today. So, we're there. if he's yeah. there, it's like we're going racing. So, it just was one of those things, and that again, I think having cast and um and Jimmy that sort of experience and that just that um that language and that reassurance and just that processing I sort of think was really um was really good and I only reflecting on it now with you guys like I sort of look back I'm like, yeah that actually is um it's very valuable coming from an experienced person or someone that's been there before yeah. and experienced it. Like it's just like we're we're good guys like and, and that for you like oh, okay like that's that simple reminder, even though you might be thinking it's just nice for your senior members to like for the first time as to sort of hear that. I think I, it was really reassuring. Mm-hmm. And then we're sort of there, we come off the water and oh, was sort of two hours, three hours up before the final and it was scheduled and then um, they postponed the day. Um, so I was like, okay, we'll postpone day. So, and then they closed the course, I think on that day, because it was pretty much like white cats, like one foot yeah. swell. Like you probably could have surfed out there. Um And then I sort of, I quite, I remember um, that afternoon you couldn't, you couldn't race um, or there was no training. So we didn't, we didn't do any training or sort of just relax. I remember sort of being in my sort of in the hotel room, like, I am knackered. Like, I I feel like I've just done an Olympic final. Like, I was really buggered. And I remember going there down to check with the doc. I'm like, Doc, I can't get out of bed here. Like, I'm fully, like, so I want to go to sleep. She's like, Oh, don't worry. It's just, you had adrenaline ready to go, and I think it's just taken time just to to settle down a little bit and I was like, oh thank God but i just I remember this I was just like she's like, you are just ready to go, but obviously you didn't have a race today, so you're just gonna have to you have to wait until tomorrow so that was a quite remember that period but then um the final came, and um we sort of again it probably blew probably a little less of a head breeze, but it was still pretty strong like i think we it was like a six minute time uh our final mm. like six oh two or three or something like that if I recall rightly so yeah. something like that. Um, And I remember it had that like the, the warm up path where like they had a really small like little warm up like right next to the course and you go into the blocks and um, yeah and then you sort of you had all the kids like everyone was like on the fence like on the fence at the, at the start of Rio and, and then the zip like the, they had that camera on the zip line and that's starting up and so as you said like it's a course where you go from 2015 beautiful sort of very quiet at the start just a starter and the and the and the pontoon to a Start, we got a, a road and people on the fence and screaming to the zip line thing and all these distractions. Yeah, and very quite hectic on the blocks. I just
1: thought it was, it was, um, being in real I thought it was so like almost in a way it was bizarre. I mean, like the pedestrians, you know, just complete pedestrians are just there on the fence watching us. And I was like, that's <laughs> not something because I mean, rowing, you know, because you have a flipping huge body of water, usually at the start, there's like you in them. usually in the middle of the water in an arbitrary place where people can't really get whereas there you know you had people on the street watching us so that that was actually for me it was pretty cool i thought it was quite a cool thing to see them there
2: yeah like it's it's a a great spectacle for the sport to sort of show like sort of showcase where you can where rowing can be done right like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be in the middle of nowhere um and i sort of like um sit on that start line and again you sort of get the question and people always want to know like what's going through your head like what, what are you thinking about and I think sort of at the start it's just sort of I, I really sort of still sort of think about and, and, and reflect like just what are some of those points that we discussed as a crew and what did I discuss with my crew members and um, that idea of just for, as a first-time Olympics and just keeping it simple and um, and knowing exactly so we've done. We've done a bit of visualisation sort of in, in our crew and I think we, were, we responded really well to it and we really enjoyed it and we sort of we knew sort of what the calls were. And I think probably the biggest um, – We'd had this sort of competition with the Germans and they had to go through the charge and we did sort of let any of that sort of stuff get to us and um, sort of we sort of came out of the blocks and um, we probably didn't have the, the best start that we'd probably had in, in comparison to sort of the the four or five races prior like we'd sort of got out of the blocks well and um, not sort of been lengths and lengths in front but just establish that good rhythm and in the pack of where we wanted to be and then sort of once we come into transition sort of we could really hit our rhythm and just go on with it and as I said we just build the rhythm and then just have that call of ride it and then I think having that sort of just not like perfect start the way we wanted it and the Germans just sort of um, sort of had 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 a good start for themselves like they jumped the whole field and from that sort of outside lane and just back themselves they just got that half length up and as we've reflected sort of this 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 chat like having that continuity and experience and those sort of um, those that, that sort of in your boat like it I think it does have it does have a role to play um, and we sort of came sort of middle of our middle thousand was was strong and then we knew that sort of and they probably knew that we were going to come at him in the last sort of 500 600 like i think sort of that's been it was a strength of us and and jimmy um in the stroke seat like that was a big uh, sort of um x factor for him and how he raced he was very strong um extremely strong in that part of the race and 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 sasha likewise and um so we sort of had that real confidence within our boat and that sort of the, the, the attributes that those guys brought from the double um into the quad and um, I guess we sort of in that last part we're inching inching forward and um we sort of probably just ran out of ran out of lake, so to speak, hey, as we say in rowing. Um but I think sort of um we just probably the Germans and, and full respect on the day, they had they had the race that they, they wanted to have um for the games and they delivered on the day and um it was sort of it was their race, and, and they really put it. They had a great first five hundred, and and that's I think where that really established them. And we probably just were just a couple of percent off where we would have liked to have been. And but I think us sort of we sort of reflected, and I think um, we probably just looking at those like head breeze conditions, we probably just had didn't have probably enough time or enough exposure and time into a head breeze that we sort of probably figured out. Um, this is how we need to sort of row it. Mm. We've done a lot of work with cross race, breeze yeah. because we'd, yes. uh, we, we we thought that was going to be where we're at, like with a, with a cross breeze in Rio. So we were confident with that sort of thing. But then when it blew quite strong head breeze, like it was a slight, like a, another 30 seconds or so in a, in a quad, like it's a little bit more. And how are we going to row it? I think probably we just, just probably didn't have that time in the boat. We'd only been together for three months. So as a combination. Um, so yeah, look, it's still very, a lot of amazing to still win a silver medal at sort of Sasha and um, myself's first Olympics and um, to do it with Jimmy and Cass and, um, and and what I learned as well like that I really sort of learned so much from that experience what they taught me sort of that idea of number one how to be an Olympian um, but also how to train like you're going there to to win a medal and, and what does that look like from a process perspective and um, yeah it was a very a great experience and then to be there with sash like we started rowing together for in 2000 uh into 2008 2009 when he first came down from queensland to the club like to sydney uni and I was some sort of has been lightweight who was sort of plotting around his sort of i'd like to call that my transition period and he'd come out out of a bronze medal junior yeah. um junior double and he was in the under 23 um bronze double and and i'm there going yeah, i mean i'd like to call that this is my transition period and so we we'd sort of had like we'd Going back and we were really good mates, so now it was it was fantastic. And then also like the the experience of the Olympics, and and then probably a big thing for me. I thought I looked back at the games. It's sort of not really involves elbow is watching Kimmy win her gold medal. Um, oh, that, was, yeah, I just that watched, was a big result. I, yeah, and I just being a teammate of hers and seeing her train and the way that she went about her training. And, and and people ask me like, oh, who's your who's your role model in sport? Like, who do you look up to? And oh, who who's your star? And I and I, and I say her, like I say her name because witnessing sort of the the attention to detail and um never had that approach of our oh, Rowan just we was just a tick the box here and, and this is a tick, tick the box session made sure to get every, something out, out of every session and and it's funny during um the period as we prepped for wherever we in um in Varese Kimmy sometimes if someone went like was sick or had a set like was just recu- like, was out of the boat Kimmy would often sometimes jump in the quad because she enjoyed like just change of boat and it it improved her skills so we had a bit obviously she had a bit of a ride in the quad and, and that sort of thing so um we obviously everyone the whole team was there to to cheer her on but a very sort of uh, memorable moment to me is to sort of see her so successful on the day but sort of what it what it takes to get to that part, point point um and and as a teammate watching it, it was it was quite a sort of memorable moment of my games as well to sort of see her win that gold
0: mm. yeah and then You Know what is it like going home because I mean uh, Australia got the three medals there at um in the in the real in the real games for rowing and like what was it like going home as a medalist you know part of this team that's been really successful and uh yeah what is it what is it like getting getting back to Australia
2: yeah so um we have um in Australia and and probably some of the um there's some other we have uh what's uh you know, like a welcome home parade. It's like sort of in, in the States, sort of each state sort of does a sort of a celebration for the Olympics from, from that state, but then a few of the sort of medalists sort of sometimes travel around um, kind of like a bit of a, a tour um, mm. to sort of go around to the welcome home parades and sort of it's a real great old, like. God, you feel like a, a like a rock star when you like get to some of these events. Yeah. Like, yeah, everyone wants a signature, or everyone wants to ask, or touch the medal, or and that was a, again such a, a wonderful experience. My first games, and I know some of the Jimmy and Cast have been there before and probably had a, a a welcome home parade, but I was there just like this is like. This is awesome. Like I feel like I'm yeah. Hollywood. Like, red, like I'm on the red carpet type thing. I just like <laughs> being in the Olympics, but that's all. Uh, but it was like just a young kid, like the kids that want to get out there and ask the questions and get a photo and and, and really got, like, a really good like a great opportunity for us to like give back a little bit because you got that sort of you got your your nation cheering for you for two weeks and um and obviously I think sort of uh, a lot of um our supporters back in our countries like they they see either sort of us on the podium or they see sort of Athletes sort of disappointed or sort of not sort of not what they wanted type thing and I, and I think they sort of sometimes don't get the, they don't know the story and and the journey and and what it takes for that um that representative for a country to get to the Olympics um and to get come back and to sort of share that journey and for people to ask the questions is, is quite special I think for any for any gold medal silver medal bronze medal PB like. Even just representing your country at the Olympics, I think, to come back and to feel the the, the support is, is, is wonderful. And so we come back and you sort of have these welcome home parades. And then for me, a couple of months sort of after the Games, I went back to work and was sort of back into teaching and back into the coaching and Sort of I was the, the teacher with the the silver medal and then I just became Mr. Girdlestone the peer teacher type thing. So um, but a lot of kids <laughs> like asking I used to wear my the, 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 the like the couple of the kit socks and the kids at school would be like, Oh sir, are they are they Olympic socks that you're wearing? I'll be like, Oh <laughs> sorry, but like the only ones that are on top of the bag, like, Oh yeah, you always wear them, don't you? So, so I got caught <laughs> out a little bit, you know, like
0: <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, Nothing like school but, kids to put you in your place.
2: Oh, there there's no harsher critics, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you—you know—it seems like you took some some time off before uh, getting going again into into next Olympic cycle. And obviously, this last Olympic cycle that um, um, finished off with the the recent Olympic Games. I mean, obviously, the the big thing to chat about in this this you know the cycle has obviously been the impact of the COVID pandemic on on racing and everyone's careers. But um, you know, twenty nineteen for you obviously it it was i mean it, i mean i look at 2019 it it looks like it was it was a good year for you guys picking up a, a silver medal on the on the world cup circuit and then coming away with two fourth place finishes so it, it was a it was a good year it must have been obviously fourth place is a new unique position in rowing that can often feel quite frustrating because you know you're right there on the cusp of of the medal tables and you're right there on, on putting your you know, putting yourself on out on top um but I mean, it's still a really competitive, uh, a competitive place to be in. So it must have been, you know, twenty nineteen must have been a good year for you guys. Qualifying, you know, getting that qualification spot. You, you're, um, you're back in after some time off. You know, getting back in the boats and and getting some racing under your belt. So chat us a bit about you know what that season was like, and then you know, um, finishing off with that Olympic uh, qualification secured.
2: Yeah. So I um after Rio, I came back to to Sydney, and uh, Zanny and I went like um, we moved in together started living together i was uh before that just living in the boarding house and she was um living in a parents place so we moved in together I, I sort of uh to to sort of fund the olympic dream to for tokyo i sort of went back to full-time work in 2017 and um sort of still trained full-time and worked full-time but i still i knew that sort of uh, row australia for this cycle as you, um, we went to a centralized system um which was the men's centers in canberra and the women's centers up in sydney um so uh, i knew that i wanted to Re-enter the system, and 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 my wife uh, sort of. We got married in 2018, and we knew sort of at the end of sort of 2018. After getting married, um, we ha- had our honeymoon to South Africa, which was awesome. Um, oh, cool! And then yeah, a good place um, to come. Absolutely. It yeah, it was the best. Um, I'd come back if it wasn't for COVID. Um, yeah. So where did where did you we, go on your honeymoon? Sorry, I know we talk about rowing, but it's always, always no, no. It's um oh, we things. um. Yeah, so we're like, um, so I got engaged in 2017. We got married in 2018. We went to, um, we went to, uh, Sabi Sands, um, yeah, oh, nice. in, uh, just off the, to the side of the, of, of Kruger. I'm pretty Kruger, sure Yeah. yeah we, no, it's Sabi um, Sands is
1: just, just right close by Kruger up there, up north.
2: Yeah. I just, uh, my wife, she was just upstairs. She's just, I think she just made sure I got it right. So I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to Sabi Sands. So, and, um, and then we went to, um, Mozambique for a bit of time, uh, by oh, the awesome. uh, by the water, which was uh which was awesome. Like it was uh which was really, really good. And then um came home from our, my honeymoon and then I went down to a sort of a, a testing camp for, for Roan at the at the center. Was sort of two weeks after that and then Got told at the time uh, you're pretty unfit, and I was like, "Well, I've just got married and went on a pretty amazing honeymoon, so um, I don't really care." Um, yeah, um, so, and then went, and then I got accepted into the centre for a position, um, sort of uh, into the sort of end of the 2018-2019 sort of intake, um, and then uh, and which was at the time those guys um, had just come off probably a great 2018 world champs, at a silver in the eight, a silver in the quad, a gold medal in the um, in the four, and and, the, and those guys. And we under the um, the reigns of, of Ian Wright, our head coach, like they had a very successful year. So I guess, like, and the quad got a silver, and those guys, um, a fantastic resulters, and, and that field of the quad was starting to really come on. Um, and um, the, there was the Italians were up there, like the, the Lithuanians from 2017, and very, like very quick. Like, so the speed of the quad, I think, this cycle each year had got gotten faster and faster and faster. And I think prognostically. It's probably the top, if not one or two prognostically fastest boats. Um,
0: Over all of our, you know, we, we do those regatta madness where we analyze uh, each regatta and the quad is nearly always at the the top of the sheet. Mm-hmm. And then not only, you know, because like the Dutch came and like set the standard, I feel, earlier. And then I felt like the rest of the field caught up quite quickly. You know, they didn't like, oh, you know, sometimes if there's one really fast crew, the rest of the, the field kind of dwindles or, you know, some of the, the athletes look for, for other boat classes where well. I feel like people doubled down on the quad and, you know, the whole standard of the field got pushed right up because, you know, even the times where the Dutch didn't win, the other crews were were still setting the the top of the, the sheet times and, mm. you know, it was it was always really compact, really close. And yeah, I mean it was a it was a really ruthless um, event for yeah. the cycle for sure.
2: Oh definitely. And I think sort of um, very consistent was at times given good conditions, flat sort of fair conditions, there was times easy could go on like under the forties, which is pretty pretty quick in the quad like consistency, low low forties or under forty, like that's that's a lot probably probably statistically if you looked at last cycle, probably I like I'm no mathematician, I haven't done the numbers, but I reckon it would be average of takeout conditions, the fact that the event's gotten faster since the last cycle, um, definitely mm. by far. Um, and then so coming into 19, the qualification year and having a year at the centre and um, I basically sort of at the end of 2018 went sort of full-time and full-time athlete in the centre and um, in, in the quad um, with a couple of the members. So Dave Watts and, um, and Campbell Watts were the two two guys from the silver medal winning quad and um, we qualified the boat. And we probably sort of the quad changed from the World Cups to the um to the World Chance. We sort of um had a sort of slight sort of selections um in the Australian team and a few boats changed and sort of a focus of um qualifying as many boats as a sport as we as a nation as we could for the men's side of things um from the sculling perspective we we qualified the quad and the the double just um just missed out sort of on sort of in that. Uh, in the B final of that sort of the, the second sort of not yeah. the A final, but the one and two spots in the, in the B final and had a, had a great regatta as well. Um, but first of us in the quad, we, um, our sort of semi, we had a really good heat. Like we were really happy with our heat. And then we came through the, through the semi. Um, we got, we, um was successful in the semi and, and, and got through to the A final and obviously in a, in a qualification year as we know like it's we want to qualify that you want to qualify the boat number one like that's important to put that boat on the start line at the games in that qualification in that qualification year and um, I think that like talking about speeds of the event I think that day the the Dutch if they went all the way to the all the way to the line and did a full two k like they would have I think broken the world record I think they did like a thirty four or something like that or something crazy like that mm. it went really quick and and they were. On speed, and so were the Polish and the and the um the Italians as well. So the the speed of the the event that year, I think, was was quick. Um, and we knew that, and like statistically, we looked at the numbers, and we we knew where we had it to be, and probably just didn't execute um sort of our final um in 2019. What we what we sort of how we wanted to go about it and what we wanted to achieve um it sort of blew that bit of sort of crosswind. I sort of remember in 2019, we were sort of a bit out in the bit more in the open side of the, the course and obviously just that's due to just placings and, and priorities of lane and we're in that position because of our sort of semi but we just probably had a good sort of first 700, 800 but just probably didn't sort of maximise um, where we wanted to be in that, that second 1,000 and the speed of the race just moved away from us with the Dutch and the Italians and the, and the Poles as well um, but proud to secure a, a fourth place and put the boat on the start line for, for Tokyo and then um, I guess the, the quad... Remained a priority boat for um, for 2020 um, for for Australian rowing, and the quad was going to be the priority, and um, probably for 2020 for me, I, I had a um, I don't know my, my first rib injury um, in in 2019. Rib injuries been a very common one for for rowers and I had my mm. first one in in 2019. I spent probably eight weeks on the bike, sort of at the end of that sort of period, and um, sort of had to manage that, and then. Um, yeah, sort of, we have our first round of trials in Australia sort of in December, like they're sort of a long 5K and then we do some work over the 2K course in the doubles and the quads and sort of I went right over in that sort of trial and then um, going into 2020 trials in March, I probably just didn't have my best um, my best leader. I probably wasn't that sort of moving the boat as well as I would have liked to and um, just sort of probably, was well, sort of the, the low-rate stuff was going well, but I probably just wasn't really in tune or really hitting my, the best way of have moved the boat and um, sort of came to trials and um, didn't, we do it, we do a ergo first and then we do a bit of, we do a single and then we do the, the crew boat combination stuff as a trial sort of um, uh, process to follow. And I missed out on the quad and I was um, selected in the double um, with Dave Bartolo who was in it in 2019 and we, were, it didn't qualify in 2019. So Dave and I, um, our path was to go to late qualifiers and, and qualify the double, um, and we were we were ready for it. We were prepared for it, and the, um, and then COVID struck. Um, yeah, COVID so. struck
1: and and changed changed the game significantly. Um, and I mean, I mean, for all of us, you guys at the time, you know, we we were at the time getting ready to go overseas and compete at the you know the first international competition. I'm sure you must have been in a very similar position. And then the sudden changeover from like, okay, we're going full steam ahead. We you know, I mean, just before that happened, we knew that COVID was going around the globe and. We knew that might have an effect, but, you know, like you've said before, uh, athletes, you know, it's about getting the job done. So we would just try focusing on training and then quite, quite rapidly, you know, we went from like full steam training, pre-Olympic competition to lockdown. Uh, the Olympics are canceled and, you know, it's a bit of a, um, a limbo period, which is which was not pleasant at all. Like suddenly having not sure quite sure what was going on and then mm. going into lockdown and, and then kind of coming off that, the cusp of of international competition. So, you know, chat to us a bit about what it was like for you. And then another thing I wanted to speak about, like obviously it impacts a lot of athletes, but you know, I think one one group particular group of athletes that it must have been quite difficult on were the the older athletes that have, you know, mm. families, you know, have wives. Some you know, obviously, you know, rowing there's uh, you know, oftentimes for people the fin- the fin- the financials, you know, isn't not easy as some other kind of professional sports to continue um, performing late you know into your 30s or in your 30s so those are a lot of considerations that I'm sure a lot of older athletes had and then I'm sure you must have had similar considerations so you know chat to us a bit about like the impact that the extra year had on you know, not only your rowing but obviously how it the rowing fits into the rest of your life too
2: yeah awesome guys and um, really sort of um, sort of proud to sort of chat a bit sort of through this because it's probably a, for this cycle um, of the Tokyo cycle and um, it is a big part of of me, who I am today, and, and to talk about now sort of um, now this cycle being a wife and, and, and having a, l- a little sort of six month now and we had to, we got, I got engaged, I got married, we moved down to Canberra, um, all going well, Olympic Games were meant to be 2020, um, we also um, wanted to, we planned and um, we were trying sort of at the start of 2020 to, to fall pregnant and um, there's a sort of as with rowing and timings of off sport, of sort of how this is going to fit in, or he could probably, feel we pregnant, you'd have enough time to travel, or will, will, will you be pregnant enough, or what's the window like? Like, so we sort of some of these things. You could probably he's, he's having a chat upstairs <laughs> with mum now, probably debriefing <laughs> what dad's talking about. But um, and sort of um, there was sort of a few of sort of disappointments, and we and we, I guess we really lived those sort of disappointments together, and um, it's that planning and um in sort of that 20 start of 2020 period and I was sort of prepping for obviously Tokyo trials in in March and I was sort of I guess at that time like oh just is it okay am I working too hard am I trying to handle too much like do I need to am I giving too much to rowing like a lot of sort of things like that were sort of were going on and I really much sort of wanted to it was something that my wife and I we really wanted and it was something that meant so much to us and and obviously Um, I think that story of behind every great athlete there's even a a bigger support network right and and my support network my number one fan is my wife Um, and they live the highs and they also live the lows and and we're at a time and Mm. then going into prepping into Tokyo I probably wasn't in the best form I I wanted to be in but I was I was I knew I'm going to go there and absolutely give it my all and um, I'm confident that I can earn a spot in the quad but Sort of wasn't successful, and I was still optimistic, and I really wanted to give the double like absolute. I was like, let's do the double. Like I believe in it. I reckon we can do it. And then probably like that. Yeah, as you guys said, there was that little uh, sort of simmer of COVID, and it was going on, and there was that little sort of sort of chatter, and every day, sort of, we woke up here in Australia and sort of read the the news overnight, and you'd be like, oh, what the COVID's coming up? Like, and then it would just get even more and more, and then there was like a couple of days bleeding in before they announced the postponement. That was like, oh, it's getting bigger and like then then Italy was uh, talking about the ETC and oh that's closed and we're like, Oh, so we're not going over the ETC and we're sort of like in the in with the center, we're like, Oh imagine if we didn't go overseas or imagine if this and then I don't know, 48 hours later it was I think the game we went out for a session and the high performance director was like, Oh, we're gonna have a meeting after this session. And we're like, Oh, what's this going? What's going on here? Like we don't usually have mm. meetings straight after a session and he called everyone in and it's just like um the de- the decision is final, the center is closed. We'll be closing this afternoon um, with the likely pending information that the AOC is about to say that um, we're not touring, and the Olympic Games is going to be postponed. Well, that all sort of sort of happened in the next sort of half a day to twenty-four hours, and then sort of came home and I'm with my wife, and um, we're sort of like, well, we've come this far, and we're on this journey together. Like, it's just, what's another year? Like, you got to, you, you still want to go to Tokyo, and you want to, mm. you want to fill out your dream, right? You want to be on the start line. So let's let's keep going and um, she was working from home and sort of COVID struck the world and here in Australia and we were quite lucky here in Canberra that um, Canberra is sort of slightly less populated than some of the bigger sort of central areas of, of central cities of Australia and pretty compliant community and we just did our thing, put the weights down in the, the, the unit but the dungeon down in our garage, had all the weights down there and had the ergo on our little patio, had the watt bike. So basically I, I turned my house into a performance training centre and um Annoyed all my next-door neighbours with the hum of a Watt bike every morning and the ergo, so yeah. they loved it. Um, and then I sort of um, reflect on COVID time and um, I guess sort of where I'm at right there. And I sort of was like, like I can use this as an opportunity. And everyone was back in their home states training on their own. And um, I sort of found a way to to get a, a single Um because we weren't allowed to go to the shed um, because it was sort of due to sort of government land and sort of Australian Sports Commission stuff. So there was some ruling around that. But I sort of did it the right way and sort of was able to sort of get a single and house a single. And I was like, oh, I can really take this COVID um, period as an opportunity, the, uh, an opportunity to get in front and an opportunity to get back to why I love the sport and, and, and mm. what works for me and, and, and what, what do I really need to do to be at my best when the centre reopens and, and at my best sort of come next year. And I sort of was like, well, if I'm going to go to the Olympic Games and I'm going to be up against people that are probably in the next couple of months are probably going to be rowing maybe some part around the world, they're probably going to be on the water. And I sort of said to myself, I was like, you've got to be on the water. Like you can't not for the next three or four months not try and row or try and explore an opportunity. So I did as much as I could to to keep training and keep a bit of that routine going. And probably a couple of months after um, – COVID struck and the postponement my wife and I fell pregnant and um which was an amazing thing for us and and we were sort of like well he's gonna be it's gonna be due on January 18th and the start of two months out from Olympic trials but you know what we we're at a point where we were like this is something that we've wanted for so long and mm. together like we want a family and we're just gonna do this together and we're gonna find a way and we're gonna do this um we're gonna make decisions together we're gonna solve them together and no matter what like it's it's gonna happen um for all the right reasons and, and I was sort of I was ready for it like I was prepped and I knew like in myself I was like this is something that we want um and I'll make it work Um and we did Um so I guess during that COVID period I sort of saw it as a an opportunity to get back to why I love the sport and why I do the sport and and I really sort of I sort of reflect with people and say look I'm a bit of a COVID success story right like if the Olympic Games were last last year I had a bit of a tough road to get there like I would have had to go to final qualifications and then again being arguably like the double sky well that was a pretty pretty solid event at uh, at, at, at tokyo right like yeah and full, and like, respect to everyone in that field um and then sort of this year sort of rolled around and um i sort of knew what 2021 was going to bring the birth of my little son patty and and then the olympic games trials and then ultimately all going well the olympic games and i think sort of to those older athletes listening and sort of how does the manage with family and and their wife and, and, and finances and, and doing things together because there might ultimately we sort of we all train in a sort of central system and not might not be where you live or might not be where you're from and um, I think sort of um, doing things together and making t- decisions together and understanding sort of the parts I'm no relationship expert but I guess for, for my wife and I like it was my dream was to, to go to the Olympics and do um, Zanny supported me and then it's sort of like now I'm now like well I want like it's now your turn like you want to be a, a great mom and I want to you're you got a fantastic job it's sort of that what's well, now your opportunity I want to be there for you type approach and mm. I think that's that it comes back to the core of the sport that we do right being there for your team members um and your what my wife my, my closest team member um and my little my son and being a father now and, and and a husband and giving back to that part of my life's really important we've been on the road for eight weeks. Um, And so 2021, I guess for me, um, what I learned um, definitely during COVID was to really keep things simple, um, live in the moment um, and and don't overthink things because probably one of my biggest, people ask you, oh, what are are your downfalls? What do you think your weaknesses are or areas of opportunity? And and one for me is that I overthink things. And like I also, Mm. like we all, like the rowing stroke is a very complex stroke, but at the end of the day, you can keep it pretty simple. And sometimes when you have that approach, right, it sort of, It does, goes pretty well for you. And I think for me, because I wanted to be there for my wife as she was going through her pregnancy and I was doing a bit of sort of work outside of the boat during COVID and a few little things, I sort of had that idea of, well, I need to be really present when I row. I need to I need to keep it simple because that's what's worked for me in the past and I'm not going to overthink things. And I think I sort of had that sort of approach all the way through the season and, and come the trials. I went from sort of a an okay sort of trials in 2020 to a sort of a, I was – being trialed in the boat and to to being top ranked at trials this year and and earning my seat in the quad um Mm. and i sort of look back and sort of what was the difference in between 2020 and 2021 it's sort of like well probably number one that i probably my body was at a time i was like oh well i'll I'll, I'll enjoy this break and this sort of just two sessions a day and some sort of steady training and i probably thrived in that environment but i think more so personally for me was just getting back to why you love the sport and what and what 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 do you love sort of doing and what, what, what motivates you to do that more and more and, 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 and I think sort of that does pay dividends in our sport. We Everyone trains hard, like, but everyone does the Ks, but what, what gives you the X factor that sets you aside from somebody else or even in your own squad, what, what sets you mm. aside? And I think that for me was just getting back to what, why, what 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 works for me? Not worrying about other people think or what 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 other people are thinking of me, and and not overthinking things. So probably the two areas that I got I got better at. Not to say that I'm absolutely perfect at it and I've, I've fixed them, but they're always there. But I I've got those cues that can can help me in those yeah. areas. And then um, we're in a crew, um, sort of in picked in March and a new crew like three debutons and we had a, a very 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 memorable three months.
0: Yeah. And then talk about tokyo i mean so like obviously you now had this extra year a really difficult time a lot of hard decisions and you know you're gonna you come away with the the medal at the end of the day which must feel really uh worth it all, or you know kind of give it that uh confirm that the decisions you made were were the right decisions but what was it must have like what was tokyo like for you when i mean australia hadn't raced anything since 2019 mm. So, what was it like going into into the, the the Olympic regatta, knowing that you know you've seen the Italians and the Dutch and these other crews race head on head all the time all through throughout the season? And you know how how confident were you guys that uh, your speed was was going to be in the right place and and that you you could uh, could could bring it home?
2: Yeah, I guess like from from day dot like when we were we were picked, like we had a crew discussion, and we this was probably one of the first. Discussion points that we addressed as a crew was um, not racing internationally. We're going to sit on a start line of the heat of the Olympic Games for the three debutants in the boat. This is going to be your first Olympic Games heat um, ever. Not racing t- uh, for two years internationally. Like, are we all are we all ready for this? Like, are we how are we how are we thinking about this? And we all sort of reflected and we probably walked out of the room thinking like like let's use this to our advantage a little bit. Like let's like let's play that real. Let's just go there and just fly under the radar, keep it simple, no expectations, no one's going to see us, no one's, we haven't had that, okay, we haven't raced at World Cup, so we don't know really where we stand, but we kind of had that, let's just embrace this, let's make it something Mm. that we're not scared about, we're not, it's not like, oh, what if this happens, or like that sort of, oh, I'm a bit sort of, it's at the back of the mind sort of ticking by. I, I really confidently think that, yeah, okay, it was there, but like on the start line, I don't think it was something that was, playing on our on our minds because we'd had that real bold and brave discussion about it and we really embraced it as a crew and it was something that we're like well let's use this to our advantage and how are we going to do that well it's number one we're just going to accept it um yeah we okay we we knew sort of we looked at world cup one we looked at world cup two we looked at world cup three like the the speeds and where, where what different crews were doing and but look at the end of the day like it's a it's a whole new race you need to build it from stroke one right you can't sort of pick and choose sort of bits and pieces and try and just jumble them together. Like I yes. don't think our sport works like that. Um, and we had that idea of like, you've got to really build it from from stroke one. And um, I think that's what really helped us in our preparation. We had an extended block of time here at home and we probably had that sort of, we weren't away for months and months overseas, so sort of on the other side of the world, missing sort of family, loved ones, wives, or we had that, I guess, that bit of bit of time at home and we managed that well. We, But I think sort of that, probably just embrace that really. Like, And then on the start line, it like we saw the crews around and it, it was a regatta, but because I think we'd had sort of that, those colour, those regatta sort of simulations along the way that I discussed before, I think when we got to the, the start line and, and prepping and were a couple of days out, it was like, well, we sort of had these preparation regattas before. There's no crowds here. It's a bit of a small regatta. Like we know our job. We know what we sort of want to do individually. We've spoken about this. We, we really have ingrained it. We used to have a call in our boat um, like our, our, our sort of key call was like our anchor, and our, our anchor was sort of when everything's sort of happening at the start line. Like, and I reckon Tokyo was even a ten times worse distracting start line than Rio. Yeah. Like, you had the planes, you had that the freight trucks driving past, you had that drone, like the winds and everything. And I sort of, when all that's going on, like, what's what's connecting you back? What's keeping you grounded? Like, what's connecting you to with your present moment? And and that was like uh, we just said, say that. It, our anchor fellows and, and some of those little terminologies whilst they don't win you the race like so to speak i think they definitely have a big sort of interconnectedness within the crew definitely. and it brings people together and i think the way that um luke in the stroke seat first time stroking the an olympic boat like caleb in the two seat first time making the calls um and then jack cleary i um, in the bow seat hadn't raced internationally since 2016 on a 23 level so all these Little individual things we really embraced. We really sort of brought them on and, and really sort of acknowledged them as individuals and and really used them to our advantage um, and really trusted in what each other was bringing to the crew and I think that really truly helped us sort of overcome that oh we haven't raced for two years type thing
0: yeah and well we talked we spoke about the wildness of the Rio Games and the the weather and the the roughness and then Tokyo, Tokyo came and. <laughs> It wasn't really that much better. I mean, it it was especially for the quad A final. For the quad A final, that was the roughest water that was on the course the whole Olympic regatta. You know that that race coming down the track. There, I was sitting at the the finish line, and the there were white caps on the the waves in the last two fifty. And you know, you had that big crosswind at the start, and there were a lot of crews making mistakes down the track. I mean, it was an absolute humdinger race to watch so talk us through that race and like how how were the calls in the boat you know how was the 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 dynamic in the boat because there were times where you know australia i mean italy did that huge move up through the the k and then caught the 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 big crab to to put them right at the back and you know even the dutch made the mistake in the beginning so there was so many yeah, there was a lot changes in, in, yeah. the, in yeah. the lead of the race it must have yeah. been a really wild race to be part of
2: Oh yeah, okay. definitely, like, and we where we train in in Canberra, like there there's a part of sort of the 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 lake that's quite exposed and can get seriously bumpy like it's it's like this is not fun rowing, but like we had this idea of like this whole sort of preparation period, like get comfortable with the uncomfortable because we're probably going to row in like what we've been told and what we've been prepped from some of our physiologists, like it's not going to be a mill pond, I'd hate to tell you, but like it's not going to be that, so we used to just embrace the 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 rough water and and sort of be want to be better at it because we had a simulation regatta as our first one back here in australia which was rough and we didn't do very well and we really were like okay we've got to improve on our rough water rowing and (sighs) and sort of probably one of the the biggest things in that rough water was like the warm-up sort of in that warm-up period where like that there was that patch at about the 500 that was blowing like severe cross breathe through that open area and the warm-up was just like like there was a 500 meter 600 meter patch where you couldn't like you couldn't even do anything in the warm-up it was just like you just float through that part of the warm-up and um, yeah, I think sort of as we sort of start on the start line, and then you said, what is the cause like? What was the intensity like in the race? And we knew that probably from our heat to final, we wanted to be a lot calmer, a lot smoother, trust that anchor a little bit more from the first stroke. I think in that, in our heat, we had that little bit of angst, sort of first race, sort of two years in a like yeah. that, sort of a little bit of that. Not that it, it overruled us, but we just had that like first race, sort of not perfect, but it got the job done type sort of race Um and we we addressed it and we knew what we needed to do and I thought we handled the postponement really well of that like the day that had the postponement we raced the next day and you couldn't race that that previous day anyway it was so unfair but I thought as a, a crew we we handled that well and I think when the, t- the race came around the call was made we were ready to ready to race and ready to go and we had a much better made a better start it was calmer more controlled more together and then I remember the sort of about uh, the 400 the Dutch caught that sort of like that bit of that sort of crab, and they sort of drew like back right next to us, and it was sort of like maybe they were two seats up, and then they were one seat up, and it was quite close. And then probably through that that second five, sort of coming sort of up to the bridge, it was like you just threw this part. We're just going to stay loose, relaxed, and keep the drive down low. We don't. We didn't want to have that big call. Of like we don't want to get tired or anxious or bring up into the shoulders because sort of that rolly water. I think when you sort of you put those those two together, I think it can only end badly. Type yeah. thing. Mm. Um, and then underneath a the bridge, and I don't know about sort of everyone else, but I found going under the bridge like just sort of you just had to really sort of it, it was coming or like it just for me I just felt like for five or so strikes it's like, oh, we're going under a bridge a little bit. It was a bit – I've never raced under a bridge. That was my first time I've ever raced under a bridge. I hadn't ever raced in Bulgaria or anywhere. So yeah, that took a bit to get used to, I must say, and, and reflecting on it personally. And then probably coming to that sort of third five where – it pretty much blew like it swung around and blew like direct tail.
0: We, yeah, because um, I think maybe that's one of the trickiest parts. It's like you had the big crosswind in the first like six, seven hundred meters, and then as you're going through that bridge and towards the second half, it's turning tail and it's getting really, really rough. So like even down the race, the conditions are constantly changing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so um I guess probably in that like that third sort of third five hundred, we sort of had it like that, just keeping it like that, keep it clean, like stay loose. Like quite very simple calls. Caleb make, makes the calls in our boat, and he does a, a, an absolute awesome job. Like I fully, fully trust his calls. They're very clear, very precise, like very, very well thought out. We knew what we sort of prepped our sort of race plan and our calls and how we wanted to sort of go about our focuses, and um, and then probably come into that sort of um, sort of. Uh, third 500 was we sort of starting to the I think the speed of the race at that point was was quick like it was very quick into coming to that tail breeze and as you said like it was pretty much white capping it was almost near unrollable like I think any yeah. any stronger I reckon they probably would it was that point of it's not a nice tail breeze it's a like a, a, a survival tail breeze type run, which they're sort of like never find it going down the course mm, like that and then the yeah <laughs> and then sort of we sort of the, – the Estonians drifted sort of away from us on the stroke side and then the, the, the Dutch was sort of had that sort of – that half a lead, three-quarters of a lead and sort of um, – I'm not one sort of in my race. I sort of – in that race, I don't really I, – like. it was my role to look out. Like I trusted Kayla where his eyes and ears were yeah. and what he was seeing and Jack in the bow seat and then we sort of had a few sort of dirty strokes sort of around that sort of just after the 1500, but we like just caught a bit of water and then um, – I remember really clearly we sort of coming into that last bit. And I, I, you could like you could see and like you could hear it from our, our bow side, like with the race was right there and just trusted the cause. And that very, we all reflect on a sort of coming to that last couple of hundred. And we were always, we knew sort of, we were always sort of even in our preparation period in Australia and racing the other crews and the eights and stuff, we always were strong. Sort of we knew our, we backed ourselves in the last sort of last part of the race, last 500, 600. And if we got it right, sort of we'd have some pretty good speed. And I remember Caleb in sort of, about the out. he's like, fellas, I need two seats now, like. And you just don't reflecting it to to people. It's like you don't date one or two strokes to to think about it. You just react. Like you just got to you got to trust the call and you got to go. And we as do we yeah. just together we just made the like he made the call and we responded. And I think then the the last call with about one fifty to go is like I need one more. And we just you just back yourself and you back the boat and you trust everyone. And I think all those things that you talk about in, in your build-up and reflect as a crew, like that's the moments in time where they really sort of come to light under that high, high pressure. Like you you take one sort of look out or you, you, you have a second thought, like that's when you make mistakes, right? And I think that race was a perfect example of where pressure and externals um, can really have a big impact. Um, and then we we crossed the line and I knew it was tight and, and Caleb sort of, uh, sort of was like, I think we got a bronze, and as you sort of look up to the right, and there's that sort of orange sort of digital board, and it says sort of AUS next to to third. And oh, look, it was a very, very memorable um, and rewarding result for us and our crew. And I think sort of where we'd come from, where we where we'd begun, and where we'd come from, sort of, and what we'd done. Um, the, the, the four of us got on really well, like our backgrounds, how we made the boat, like we all brought something to the boat, um, and that's why probably for us it was a to not race internationally, and, to, and that was a competitive field. Like it was seriously competitive. It was so. Seriously competitive. Yeah, um, and I mean, just look really at the pr- times.
1: Really proud. Yeah, just looking at the times. I mean, there was half a second gap between second and fourth. Only half a second. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. You guys, you guys were just three hundredths of a second ahead of Poland. Um, and I mean, obviously, you, you guys were super close to the silver medal. But I mean, for me, like the bronze medal, and. and with the bronze medal, I think having a performance like that, that was a fantastic performance, just getting off the water and, and knowing that you had one hell of a performance and you executed probably in, in one of the, you know, probably the toughest race of the whole bloody cycle was the final race of the Olympics. You know, that was probably the, the most difficult race to get, have a good race and having having come off with a f- fantastic performance plus getting a bronze medal, that must have been a really good feeling knowing that you you managed to do it when it counted the most.
2: Oh look, yeah, you couldn't have put it in better words. I think we sort of, we we pretty much sort of you summed it up right there. Um, in the like the the Dutch, they had to break the world record to to win, right? And so that's sort of um, to only be one point seven seconds off a world record, and for us to do five thirty three, and it's the fastest mm. any Aussie quad's ever gone. Um, and just a couple of those little things, and they're they're the real gold medal moment for us as a crew as we reflect. And then I think for for us as a as a as a country and for Australian role in like those four the hour of power as we're kind of calling it here in our country where we had the women's four the men's four us and then the bronze medal in the women's quad like to we're all at a point in time sort of on the pontoon or the girls are doing some media and we were coming on to the sort of pontoon and the girls race cut the quad comes down and we're all at a point where we're just like all together and we're just mm. sharing that that moment of that real special team moment and that was probably oh that was just the, some of those sort of chats and uh cheers and everyone being together for that sort of 10 15 20 minutes all together in that one spot at the finish was just so memorable experience just together as your team um that was also like I, i'll remember that forever um yeah. it was a really proud moment so it was a well, it was a wild ride like that sort of that that race and just being in the moment and just what i sort of take away from it and more so i think sort of the the bonds of friendships and um that we we, we really had in our crew and um, and my, the role that I sort of as a as a two-time Olympian in that boat, and sort of what what my role was, and and what I would sort of learned from being with the guys in 2016, how they sort of taught me how to be an Olympian and train and and race like you're going there to win an Olympic medal, and an opportunity to sort of to share that with these guys this year, and we sort of not yeah. that, but we all, we gave each other that opportunity to lead as well um, this year, and we really really embraced that. Um, so there was some. You take away a medal, but there's some also really like other yeah. memorable, memorable moments that we take away as a crew together. So isn't that yeah, that's I part think, of the Olympic Games, right?
1: I think Sheets. when in a situation yeah. like this, the bronze medal is almost like the bonus. You know, with everything else that yeah. that, that comes away, the fact that you come away with the bronze medal is just like the cherry on top. Yeah, you're right. It, it, yeah, you're exactly right.
0: that's yeah, so awesome, man it's really uh, such a cool way to finish off that uh, that story. I mean, that's just it is incredible. But as always, we are getting carried away with the time and we have a few quick fire questions that we want to quickly rattle through um yep. the, before we keep you you're on too long and our first question is if you could uh, you were racing now in paris 2024 and you can choose any boat class to to go into which uh which boat class are you choosing
2: oh which i'd love to i'd love to do an eight like a big boat eight race i haven't done a, a big boat eight race for a long time and I watched that race and it's over before you know it. And I've watched them obviously in the grandstand. And as you watch them, you watch them on the screen and then in the last sort of 500, you see them steaming down the course. But to be in that, in that big boat, I like it would be, it'd be awesome, I reckon, to be in, in an eight boat and coming down.
0: The, like with a, The quad with a is comp- not that. I was
1: just about to say, I mean, you, the quad, especially the <laughs> your quad, I mean, you guys are <laughs> literally 12, 13 seconds off there. So, I mean, just…
2: Yeah, quad I, is I know, splits. I know. I just, I guess, um, I haven't been in an eight, you know, an eight race, like, in yeah. so, so long. It's probably just to, to do that in that, like, that That would be my boat I'd pick.
0: Okay, good one. I actually thought you were going to say the, the single to go race um, the Greek… Yeah, the Greek lightweight. A couple of, of heavyweights. Yeah. Of heavy <laughs> yeah oh, sure. I
2: don't yeah, that's that was that was awesome to see too. That was that was another race for another yeah. day. We could talk another two hours about that race. Yeah. yeah,
1: no, definitely. And then, you know, the next next question the next question is the the dream selection. If you could choose any three people from any time, any place, anywhere around the globe, um to put in a quad with you and race, which
0: uh, which three people would that be?
2: Which three people in a quad. Um
0: well you've um, rode you've rode so many different quads lots of different combinations your crews have changed so much over the years so it's not even like you can choose a just the three guys you rode with
2: oh that's a that's a from everyone from any countries what a question um (laughs) have i asked um the the success of the the men's quad in sculling i probably um look i'd have to like probably say uh he's my my close mate and he was in my uh my, my bridal party my wedding sort of sasha um I formed a sort of we're we're best mates, and we our, our kids are only one month apart, and sort of we've had some a lot of times together. So I'd probably, um, and he knows how to get the best out of me. So I'd probably have him somewhere sitting in my boat, um, and God, probably we'd have, this selection would be running for weeks if I was picking this crew. Like there'd be there'd be race after race after race. Um, <laughs> Um. Oh God. This is this is probably the hardest question I've ever been asked in my rowing career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the hot seat. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm in a double at the moment, so I've got to find two more two more people. Um. Who's putting their hand up? Oh, I guess sort of. You got. You kind of go like, Mahe Drysdale, like are you sort of a man who's won a lot of like. He just knows how to bring bring it on the day. Like, yeah. Obviously, I watched him at, at Rio win that. Um. That that single and um and obviously double gold medalist and single and the men's single arguably probably the amount of miles that he's done on his own and just that resilience like that's like that's pretty that's awesome um yeah um so he'd he'd be in there um so there's there's three I uh, just got to find one more um I'd probably um. I guess a little bit sort of the the, the success of the, the, the Polish quad in that 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 two thousand and eight period, the, the stroke set of that boat sort of just looked like he just knew exactly sort of um oh what was his um can't remember his name, but um the short sort of uh um stocky guy. Um but he just looked like they just looked very a very dominant period and that was when I was sort of first like learning like looking at rowing, but you just look at videos of them, they just look like they're they're absolutely sort of just like rowing that boat so well. So, um Jake's Jake's he, looking
0: up the name. I'm trying to find the name. But, All right. Um, I thought you I thought you might actually put in uh, Kim Brennan. I thought maybe she would, uh, you know, oh, she's yeah, was, yeah there, I, like, quite there I, with you. So there would be a tough
2: selection. There would be maybe that's the yeah. fight off for the lights, the last seat. Yeah. Maybe yeah, Kimmy would probably uh maybe uh, this Polish guy he can't make it, so Kimmy's Kimmy's in there in the boat. So we'll go with we'll go with Kim Brennan because we we can't find him. this guy hasn't rocked up for trials so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's funny
1: but also i just wanted to say for for the listeners out there uh cameron's referring to sasha that's Al- Al- alexander Alex Bill- El- yeah, no- yeah that's 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 Alex- an a- alexander anyone Noggle. gets sorry. confused
2: there yeah sorry um, yeah, yeah. the world
1: we all- drawings website uh honestly they need to fix doesn't thing. go back yeah, yeah doesn't, yeah, not work doesn't well. go back that far
2: yeah you're right adam kroll I, his name i think his name is adam kroll i think uh, that's okay. his name yeah okay. so that's, that's going back that's a the, while.
1: the dream team
2: yeah, so I reckon we 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 we'd we'd have to find a good combination because obviously we have got a single scholar in there. Um, he'd probably want to stroke it or like with with Mahe, but that's all right. We'll work out our seats. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a language barrier too with the Polish. Yeah, yeah.
1: Go and go
0: and go is, uh, is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go so. and go. Yeah. Go. No. <laughs> then the next question is: What's your favorite race that you find yourself watching? You know, over over the years, and it doesn't have to be one of your races. It can be any rowing race.
2: Um, oh, you can't go past the the single skull from Rio, right? Demir and and Mahe, That's oh, a that's that is a pretty a phenomenal race. Um, that's a that's that's an ex- excellent race. I'd probably that one. and I also love watching um, London 2012, the final of the men's double skull. Oh, Su- Sullivan oh, and Cohen that, finish that was a like brilliance, like no, one for the books that is like that's what you show your your school kids how to finish off a race when you absolutely back yourself that is a race to to tell, to teach yeah. people how to come home um, yeah that's are probably two like good races. those ones yeah Those are, yeah they're my memorable ones
0: they that is so awesome I
1: and mean, then and then the the next next question is and this is the one that all everyone wants to know about is uh what is your PB on the 2000 meter ergo score
2: my 2k PB is 548 and i ah, got it this so, year this 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 year's trials no, nice. not
1: too bad, especially from uh, someone that come up coming up from a lightweight, eh?
2: Hey? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and a bit a bit of dad bod strength as well. I, that's what everyone calls yeah. it now. Sort of some of the young guys at the center say, "Oh, it's just dad bod strength." So I said, "Oh, well, why don't you get it? Get go and get it, have a kid then, and see what you can do." <laughs> yeah,
1: no, in South Africa, we that's we call it Bali strength. You know, Bali is just I I don't know what it is like a slang term for uh, an older older person that's got you know family kids and there's a yeah. certain resilience and. um experience that comes from you know being in that stage of your life so we we refer to that as bali strength and i, I believe oh, that's right,
2: what you're referring to right I like there. that. <laughs> yeah i like that <laughs>
0: and if you were in charge at world rowing uh what did you change
2: if i was in charge of world rowing what would i change
0: um
2: um maybe a few more lightweight boats i reckon bring back the lightweight four yes
0: Definitely. And being yeah,
2: a yeah. being a lightweight, um, um, a former lightweight and being in a sweet boat, I'd say, yeah, bring back that the lightweight for like and, and, and there's yeah. so many talented lightweights out there in so many parts of the globe, like and to just have a country like that to be in a sport that like you only there's two seats. I know it makes it competitive and like seriously competitive, but like bring them, bring them back. I say they're some yeah. of the best races that people watch. Like that's that's like six boats across a course from start to finish. Yeah. Um, the lightweight rowing
0: just never fails to disappoint. It's just no. always good racing.
2: No, exactly. So I reckon, give them it, g- give it, give it, get them back. Yeah,
1: not for sure. I was going to ask yeah. you. We usually have a Ergo ladder on here. Your... Yeah, I know. I didn't have it up. Oh, no, you though. didn't bring it up. We've, we've, we've been using. Um, you know how on Top Gear they have the reasonably – Uh, (laughs) whatever and then they have that ladder thing we've got a we've made a a ladder thing um usually that we have up but unfortunately this time around we'll let you know where how you fit in on the um how you fit in on all the the row show guests that that
2: we've yeah or at least on this show you don't um you don't get them to actually um do the two k like they'd do a hot lap like you don't make can you just do a hot lap on your two k whilst we all watch like that i would don't be... know if the ladder would would stay the same <laughs> i don't think it would either. The
1: retired the retired athletes we've had on <laughs> yeah. um so yeah. the the next question the last question is if you had to choose a different sport to go to the olympic games and which one would would it be and why
2: um uh, I think look, I've always, I always find sort of watching the 100 meter sprint at the Olympic Games, like just sort of the hype around it and the sort of the, to be able to say that you're, fastest man on earth or if you're at that present time would be mm. would be pretty special so i think like you look at the 100 meters like i'm in a sport that takes that goes over two thousand meters we spend a lot of i've never been an anaerobic animal so to be a an anaerobic animal over 100 meters would be uh would be pretty good so i'd probably say i had to come down the course i've never been a sprinter so <laughs> just to go from yeah. being a, a plotter to a sprinter would be pretty good
0: yeah oh, awesome and then i've just pulled up the ergo ladder and actually it's really cool because you you slot in. Oh, you just miss out on the top ten. Uh, you slot in in eleventh place, just behind uh, Borsch and uh, the the Valencikovic. And then oh, oh,
2: that's but, uh, that's ro- that's royalty. Bro. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. Who
0: you who you do beat, which you might be be happy to know, is Sam Locke. because <laughs> you said oh. uh he was an idol, <laughs> and you knock him out of eleventh spot.
1: Yeah, Sam Sam oh. Lock had a five forty nine, you you hit it there five forty eight. <laughs> oh i'll take that i'll take there that we go. that's a that's a good one <laughs> yeah
0: to, to get yeah yeah cool. awesome yeah
1: thanks and so, yeah thanks uh thanks a lot cameron i think that that wraps it up to yeah to i mean there, the show.
0: there's definitely more we could chat about and as always we could always chat for for you know a good couple of hours more um but i know it's your first day out of uh out of lockdown and you're with the family so we are going to end it there uh, is there anything else that we we kind of missed out that you wanted to chat about, or you know anything that you you wanted to say?
2: Oh no, it's just um, it's also it's awesome. This is my um, this is my second podcast I've actually done. I did my first podcast um, talking all things family and and bubs and rowing last week in uh in quarantine, and then to talk and, and reflect all things rowing and and bubs and family, it's been it's been a great fellas. I've really enjoyed it, and to talk about the love of rowing and to reflect and and the journey. I think as we sort of were touching on, like it's great to sort of to see the success of our, our athletes in our sport and, and the world of the Olympics, but to hear the journey and to, to, to share that with you guys has been a real honor. So thanks very much for having me on your show. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Cameron. And of course, you've you've definitely deserved yourself some good uh, um, R&R in the the coming months. So all the best uh, with whatever the future holds for you.
0: Yes, yeah, a and six-month-old baby. He's not getting any rest. Yeah, there's <laughs> no rest there, actually. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty much going to be nocturnal now. Yeah. <laughs> And, and after i'm sure you 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 skated by some of the the dad duties uh you know in the in the, the build-up to the game so i'm sure those are going to come thick and fast now that you yeah, yeah, back yeah you're
2: exactly right you're exactly right but i couldn't be more excited for it cool awesome thanks for having me on guys awesome cheers cameron
0: cool and that's a wrap for our cameron girdle episode and wow what an epic episode! I really enjoyed that, Jake. What is you? What are your big takeaways?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I liked how he spoke about, um, you know how how the the pandemic hit and like how he used that to his advantage, like on an individual basis. Like he was saying, he wasn't in the best place going into you know 2020, um, but he was still keen to you know make it work in the double. And then just going away, obviously, there's lockdown. There's you know, limits get cancelled. And then just listen to how you know he took all of this and really um took it home and then try to think of how he can make it work for him and then obviously it worked for him because he ended up racing in you know the the top boat class on the sculling side and then getting an olympic medal to boot so flip what a journey and you know an absolute you know i I really enjoyed like the the chatting about the cruise from like 2016 to 2020
0: yeah and like the the I don't know, the trust and the support as well. Like, you know, when he speaks about these decisions, you know, these are not small decisions for an athlete to make, you know, like going through COVID, you're getting, you you know, you're now on the older side of of, uh, your rowing career and you have a family, you now have a a child. And to have that support uh, from somebody else to say, no, I think you should still go for it. You should still um, take it on is, I mean, that's really, really awesome. And I think that's, you know, such an important part of, of, Sport and rowing that we we kind of uh, don't often look at, you know. We're always talking about the performance, always talking about the training, but you know that support system, that um, yeah, that side of things is is always really interesting to see, and so just a different perspective, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, I mean, you, to come away with the medal definitely makes all those decisions worthwhile. Of course, and yeah. Besides that, go follow us on social media, get in touch
1: with us, go check out our Patreon page um and yeah it's been it's been awesome guys we'll see you soon for another interview we've got lots coming through so stay tuned
0: for sure enjoy guys we're out ciao awesome in-
1: episode um of the Ro show and today we have a awesome guest awesome in- episode um of the Ro show and today we have a awesome guest awesome in- episode um of the Ro show